is a fun experience, and it is what is so cool about our differences. Um, they brought you performances from the Mardi Gras Indians, um, Irish-Italian dancers. They had an opera singer, dragon dancing, um, the Caribbean Heritage Munch, and, and it's brought new life, especially to this chamber or the other chambers, dancing in the hallways. It's been a really good time along with great food. Um, so I want to congratulate them, obviously. Um, we want to October is Global Diversity Awareness Month, and um, th this group has really, as I say, taken it to the next level. And I look forward uh, to new programming as, as we go into the future. So with that, I want to introduce all of them and congratulate them on their really good work, uh, important work that we have. So um, with that, I'm going to read the proclamation. Eileen, you want to come up? Does some, some of the um, officers want to come up and stand up here with me as I read the proclamation? Okay. Donnie, okay. Whereas October is Global Diversity Awareness Month and a special time to increase awareness and to celebrate the diversity and uniqueness of the ethnicities in the world. And whereas the Jefferson Parish Employee Diversity and Inclusion Board serves as an important and vital communication source between the parish leadership and our employees while advocating for a more inclusive workplace culture. The Jefferson Parish Employee Diversity and Inclusion Board is comprised of department representatives who serve to foster a better understanding and awareness of the value of each human being, regardless of their nationality, color, race, sex, gender, country of origin, or language. And whereas the Jefferson Parish Employee Diversity and Inclusion Board educates, celebrates, and highlights the performance, accomplishments, and excellence in the unique abilities of our diverse Jefferson Parish workforce, and creates a welcoming, inclusive envir environment to better serve our community. And whereas the COVID-19 pandemic and Hurricane Ida have highlighted the need for even greater awareness and acceptance of individuals whose cultures and ethnicities are different from our own, we are a stronger community when we help each other. And whereas the Jefferson Parish Employee Diversity and Inclusion Board has brought unique entertainment and educational events for the enjoyment of our employees and our citizens. And whereas the Jefferson Parish Employee Diversity and Inclusion Board is hereby recognized and commended for making great strides in promoting diversity, awareness, and inclusion in Jefferson Parish. So um, now, therefore, I, Cynthia Lee Shang, President of Jefferson Parish, do hereby proclaim the month of October 2021 as Diversity Inclusion Awareness Month in Jefferson Parish. So wonderful. Do you want to speak? Anybody want to speak? No? So with that, I wanted to call up all the different members so they could get recognized. So Gretchen Hurt's going to help me. And her office has just re been really um, vital in pushing out. So if, if people are not able to join us in the event that day because they can't get away from their workstations, they're able to participate via all of the videos that Gretchen and her office shares. Um, so I'll start with, I'll just call your name out and you can go to Gretchen. Aline Bernard from General Services. Dr. Vanessa Zimmerman, our, our Chief Administrative Assistant for Engagement and Community Programs. Pay, Pay Palifax from Criminal Justice. Irene Lunkin from our Library Department. Hey, Irene. Uh, Donnie Lewis from Community Development. Donnie. Adrian Bro from Human Resources. Hector Pineda from the Parish President's Office. Daniela Bayo from our cross-cultural coordination in, in our office. Bettina Nova from Public Works. Christy Richardson from Citizens Affairs. Ray Mola from Engineering. 
Joanna Miller from the Animal Shelter from J-Paws. Tanya Bates from Workforce Development. Heather, Heather Glass from Emergency Management. Jasmine Hamilton from our Accounting Department. Susan Andrews from the Office of the Inspector General. Donna Evans from our Purchasing Department. Terry Pajares from the Parish Attorney's Office. Brent Herman from General Services. Brent's not here? And he was our great dancer, too. Okay. Brianna Durenslet, Parks and Recreation. Dion Green from our Council Budget Office. Shalita Thompson from our Engineering Warehouse. Antoinette Davis from Jeff Cap. And Stacy Fields from Jeff Cap. I didn't miss anybody, huh? Okay. All right. So I want to thank you. Huh? Oh, yes, and myself. And myself. I am a member, a proud member of this board. So if any council members would like to come down and join us for a picture, please. Okay, we're going to hold we this can, up. All right, next up is Councilman Byron Lee with a proclamation. So excited to have what I consider to be an outstanding young man who comes from a family of outstanding people. Uh, a young man who, a young man who uh, come from a humble beginning, 
father was a longtime bailiff in Jefferson Parish Court system, and a mother who nurtured him and nurtured the rest of the family and taught them values and taught them certain things uh, uh, that would emphasize being successful, working hard to get an education. And so we have a young man here who graduated from Higgins High School. And we're celebrating his life before the council today because he has not one, he has two Grammy Awards. And so we're providing this proclamation to Reginald and really to Reginald and the family today. <laughs> and so what I'm going to ask is, is for the family to come up with you while I read this proclamation. Whereas Reginald Nicholas Jr., also known as Regina, Reginald, 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 is a skilled multidimensional musician, producer, sound engineer, and native of Marrero, Louisiana. And whereas he began playing the drums at a very tender age of six and was the drum major during his junior and senior years at Higgins High School where he graduated in 2001. And whereas he studied music education at Nichols State University and is a retired Army veteran. And whereas he was awarded two Grammy Awards for recording uh, from the Recording Academy in 2019 and then again in 2020. He is an outstanding young man who's worked with notable artists such as P.J. Morton, whom himself also won a Grammy Award during that year. And whereas he's a, a proficient producer who has worked with artists such as Courtney Hart, Franklin Davis, T. Shirell, Princess Denisha, Tyrone Foster, the Ark Singers, Zach Landry, Robert Pate, Jessica Harvey, and Difference, Brandon Butler, Dre Marie, Josh Kegler, 3D NIT, Brandon Terrell, Big Freedia, <laughs> Latranium, and PJ Martin. And whereas he produced and engineered songs that have made it to radio syndication, including Heartbeat, Trending Topic by T. Sherelle, Ugly Truth, Mama Told Me, Turn Me Up by Courtney Hart, CTY, and Closure by Princess Denisha and Worthy by Tyrone Foster and the Art Singers. And whereas he produced three tracks to be featured on Tyler Perry's show, The Have and The Have Nots, and also played keyboard on the soundtrack of American Violet. And whereas he's traveled to Europe with internationally known gospel group Craig Adams and the Voices of New Orleans and Nicole Slack-Jones to Brazil with award winner Kurt Bronis and to Norway with Tyrone Foster and the Ark Saints. 
And whereas he won the producer of the year for the New Orleans Gospel Awards in 2016, he has appeared on several talk shows, Walking in Favor with Angie Beasley, Channel 4, Gerald Mitchell, and he did editing and recording for Space Jam's Going Loony with Big Freedia and recorded songs in the Kevin Hart movie, Fatherhood. And whereas he's been, whereas he's been seen performing around the city of New Orleans with Zena Moss and Rufaya, All-Stars, E. Dana Richardson, D1, Chris Baptiste, Nicole Slack-Jones, Tyrone Foster, and the Ark Singers and the Brasser Hawks. Whereas currently he is recording engineer for P.J. Martin, as well as head recording engineer for Martin Records located in New Orleans, for he and other artists. And now, therefore, Jefferson Parish Council hereby recognizes and congratulates and commends Reginald Nicholas Jr. on winning not one, but two Grammy Awards from the recording artist for his outstanding achievement in the music industry. Congratulations. We'll take a picture, and any of the council members who are here who want to be come join us in parish president. You want to say? You want to say anything? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Check. Yes. You got all the church out, bro. <laughs> All right, also here with us today to give us an update on various uh, work being done around the parish from debris to cable and internet. Uh, we've got DRC here, who is our debris contractor, along with uh, representatives from AT&T and Cox to update us on um, restoration and services after Ida. And we'd like to invite uh, representatives from DRC up first to update us. Good morning. I'm Steve Crawford with DRC Emergency Services. Uh, today marks uh, the 30th day of debris collection within the parish. Um, as of this morning, we have collected uh, over 18,000 loads of debris, um, which equals uh, approximately 850,000 cubic yards 
And to put that in perspective, that is uh, eight football fields, uh, 50 feet high. Um, tremendous amount of material. We are currently running in the parish 117 trucks, uh, and that includes uh, Grand Island of Feet as well. Um, we have eight DMS sites in operation, which has drastically improved our productivity and turnaround times, uh, being able to uh, get shorter haul distances. Uh, as of yesterday morning, we have 14 bucket trucks in operation, removing hazardous limbs and dangerous trees throughout the parish. Um, and I know uh, near and dear to everybody's uh, uh, thoughts is the uh, C&D collection. We have collected uh, over 100,000 cubic yards of C&D, and that is uh, in uh, full operation at this point and, and ramping up. So. Anybody have any questions for DRC? Alto and Bonanno. <laughs> First of all, I want to commend you, Mr. Crawford. You know, when my office has called you during, during this cleanup, no matter what the request was, no matter what the problem was, your actions were taken very quickly and resolved it. So I commend you for your quick actions and your cooperation during this event. I just have a couple questions. So where are we at with respect to transitioning from the vegetative to picking up C and D? We have, we have already started picking up C&D, and those will ramp up as a – and the, the initial push was to get the streets more open so it was safer to run the trucks down the streets. Right. So obviously the vegetative debris was pouring out into the streets, and we, we needed to clear that first. Right. So we have started that already. We're up to 100,000 cubic yards as of yesterday, and that is ramping up. And we'll be uh, – to be honest, by the first of the week, majority of our fleet will be collecting C&D. Who's responsible for picking up all the down poles, the power poles and the uh, telephone poles? Is that y'all or is that, sir? I, I would believe that'd be energy, sir. Okay. I just want to clarify that because there's still quite a few of them laying on the ground and citizens have been requesting my office who's going to pick this up, and I had no clarity on that issue. So it is either AT&T if it's their pole or energy, correct? That's correct. And lastly, uh, you know, we've challenged Thompson. For our citizens' perspective, we need to be able to prepare, be able to tell them clearly which streets we're on, picking up vegetative matter, which streets were on picking up C and D, and which streets have completed their first pass. So I ask you to work with them because our citizens, if they have this information, I think would be a lot more patient than not knowing when someone's coming. If they can look at a map and see which streets you're on today, which streets you're going tomorrow, and then the direction you're flowing, I think it would clear up a lot of the problems. And they've been working closely with us, and there's representatives from Thompson here today to, okay. to go answer. Thank you. That's all I have, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Crawford, we've had numerous conversations, uh, conference calls and whatever else. And again, like uh, Councilman Bonanno said, tremendous work. I know there's a lot of debris out there, and you all overall have done a tremendous job in, in getting what you can up so far. Um, can you explain briefly for anybody who's listening or anybody who may read an article about this meeting afterwards, what has to be done to make sure that your debris is collected right now and how it can't be contaminated with anything else what can be there what can't be there yeah, so, so the we'd like to have it separated if it if it gets commingled it has to be picked up with c and d so we would like to have the vegetative debris separate from the c and d debris c and d being anything from the home uh, such as any of the damage, the, the, the roofing, siding. Um, at this point, DEQ has given a waiver to allow uh, some content, such as mattresses and furniture. Uh, that has helped a lot. Um, and then, obviously, 
we have a tremendous difficulty with parked cars, especially on the weekend. So if we could get word out to the uh, to the citizens, if you have off-street parking, please please utilize that. Um, and the uh, uh, I think we there if they have the ability to put the debris where it's not close to a utility pole or a mailbox um, or you know, under, under power lines or low tree canopy, um, we would prefer they do that going forward. If it is there, we're getting it. Um, we have to use different equipment, and we are getting it. But uh, if they're making new piles, we would, if they have the ability, we'd like them to put in a more clear area, just kind of look up and around and yeah. imagine you know, a, a large device trying to reach in there. I think to be clear, um, from where I sit, most of the emails we're getting right now involve they pass by, they didn't pick me up, and it ends up they have commingled debris, C&D, uh, or, or household debris with their um, regular woody waste. So to be clear, they were passed the first time, they will wait for the C&D pickup, and that's why it hasn't been picked up yet. That's absolutely correct. And, and that has ramped up now and will be collected very shortly. Okay. Thank you. Councilwoman Van Vranken. I want to clarify also, um, so all of the trucks as of the first part of next week will be transitioning to picking up things like carpet, mattresses, roofing tiles, those kinds of construction and demolition type things, correct? That, that is correct. It's the majority of the fleet. I still will be running vegetative debris, but the majority of the fleet will be picking up those items. That was my question because yeah. initially after the storm, of course, we had lots of tree branches and, and vegetative debris. Um, some people, though, had been away. They've now come home. They have now cut down those tree limbs or, or trees that needed to be removed, and it's just coming to the curb. Correct. So you will continue to run some vegetative trucks, and then after the C&D round, you'll be going back for another round of collection of uh, tree uh, and vegetative debris, correct? Absolutely, because we, we see that in, in every circumstance. The, uh, they, they need time to get the tree crews in there. Tree crews are very busy. Um, so as we start to get the C and D back down, we'll convert some of those trucks back over and we'll be running second pass with the vegetative debris as well. Um, just piggybacking on what Councilman Banana was saying, um, the communication from this point forward is going to continue to be really important. I know we have an area where some of our homes did have flooding, actual structural flooding in their homes. We conveyed to you that those homes are, of course, putting things out at the curb um, as they try to, to gut and um, start their renovations. Um, we did pass along a message to that area to say, please take your cars off the street if you can so that you allow the streets to be clear for all of this um, you know, removal activity to take place and not be impeded. So again, if you can continue to let us know where you're going to be the next day, we can try and email civic associations, email neighborhood groups to say, please make sure, you know, all of the cars are off the street if you can. Make sure your debris piles are sorted into those bagged items, your vegetative debris and your construction and demo kind of debris, household debris. So we can help communicate and, and make your process smoother if you're able really to give us a heads up on where you're going to be over the next few days. Absolutely, and I do also have to say thank you. I'm working with each of your aides, and there has been uh, fantastic communication between all of us uh, in, in trying to solve those issues. Thank you. Councilman Pistato. Thank you. <clears throat> for, for clarity, the issues, what are the issues that arise when the materials are mixed and not in those four separate piles? Does that cause a homeowner to have their materials not picked up at all? 
Okay. No, it, it, as, as we were doing the vegetative debris and trying to get the streets clear and safer, um, those piles had to be passed up because they were mixed. Now when we come through, they'll be collected as C&D because they have the C&D debris in them. I understand. C&D, construction and... And what? Demolition okay. So we can tell our constituents it will be picked up, but that just caused a delay because of the mixing of the piles. Absolutely. All right. Um, what is the, the million-dollar question? What is the estimated time of completion at this point? That's a really tough question. I knew you'd hit me with that today. Um, the, I don't ask the easy ones. No. Uh, the issue is obviously we don't yet know how many folks are waiting on insurance checks. Um, contractors to do the uh, demolition or the remodeling. Um, so we, I, I, I really can't answer that. Um, okay. However, we will be here until it is all collected. Okay. And then the last question, um, the process at this point. Last, as I recall, last meeting, if I understood it correctly, we were on first pass, if I recall. Where are we at this point in the process in terms of y'all's protocol? Yeah, I, from uh, technically we're getting really close to a, a, a vegetative first pass, um, but the lines get a little bur blurred with a first and second because of the amount of debris coming out on some streets. I have been on some streets up to four times at this point, trying to keep them safe and unblocked. Um, but it, you know, if I had to say uh, a, a time frame next week, we will be um, transitioning more into a second pass. And, and it's all. It's not random. You're not going through random streets, right? It's, all, it's by zone, by order. Um, okay. Absolutely. All right. Thank you very much. Councilman Lee? Yes, I, my question is, why is there nearly four times more trucks on the East Bank than on the West Bank? It's, it's based on assets were deployed based on the amount of debris. So as we, as we rode through uh, all areas, we deployed assets based on what was there. So there's certainly debris on the West Bank, obviously. Um, it, is, uh, it is nowhere near the amount um, from a volume standpoint as what the East Bank had. So, but do, you know, we get the complaints all the time, right? So it's hard for me, and I hear what you're saying, it's hard for me to sell that, yeah, four times more trucks on the East Bank than you do on the West Bank. So what I'm asking you to do is, and I understand your matrix and how you all make the decisions, but just from a, a perception, just from a perception standpoint, it seems, it seems that, and again, I, I, I look at the complaints that we receive, that the West Bank is, is being shorted in terms of the number of trucks. So what I'd like you guys to look at is revisit uh, adding additional trucks on the West Bank even though it's a smaller territory, but it still has a, an impact on the, re, the residential, uh, uh, the residences in, on, on the West Bank that they feel like they're being left out. Okay? So I need you to add more trucks. We absolutely will. All right. Councilman Templet. Yes, is that working? Yes, sir. And, and thank you. And look, this is just kind of piggyback on uh, Councilman Impostata's comment about timing and how, how long will this take. Uh, you know, one of the issues that we're having outside the levy protective system uh, with debris is people haven't, some people haven't even gotten to their home yet. 
That is correct. Okay, we're still trying to dewater some areas because as soon as we get ahead of the game and get some mud out of the canals and demuck the drainage system, it rains the next day or the next two days, pushes the mud right back in, and the homes are, are surrounded by water once again. So we have homes that haven't had the opportunity to even be looked at yet still. I mean, and so I want to make sure we take in consideration that those debris piles will continue for a while and outside the levee protective system as well as in Grand Isle. You know, my office gets a lot of phone calls on that. How long are we going to be able to put debris to the street? Uh, and, you know, what can we put? Uh, you know, you have – I know we have uh, camp owners uh, who pay property tax that want to be able to make sure they can get down to their camps as well. Uh, and get the debris out. And, 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 and your outlying areas, it's harder to get help. Uh, you know, you know, you've been on Grand Isle. I've, I've seen you all there. Sure. To get people to come cut out your home way, way down in Grand Isle is an issue as well. So uh, if there's any way to work with the mayors of those communities, as well as Lafitte, Crown Point, and Barry Tyra, just to get some information directly to those people, knowing that mm – -hmm. Uh, they, they're going to have a longer period of time. We're not stopping next week and we're not stopping next month. And that's been a concern. You know, how long can I put out my debris? And we'll, we'll meet. Uh, I know we meet with the mayor of, of Grand Isle uh, almost daily uh, to keep him up to speed. So we will continue to do that and we'll make sure that we push that information forward that we'll be there till it's cleaned up. I think that, oh, uh, Councilman Edwards, I'm sorry. My question really was the same as Councilman Lee's. I probably get more calls about the, the reason for the difference in the numbers of trucks on the East Bank as opposed to the West Bank. And anything that you can do to help us uh, uh, make that, uh, that difference more palatable to our residents, we would appreciate. I do want to tell you that I'm very impressed with the work that I've seen that you've done so far, and thank you for that. Thank you very much, and we will handle that immediately. One more from Councilman Bonetta. Quick question, just for clarification purposes. So when you're going down the street and there's bagged debris in, in ba black bags, who's picking that up? Is you all or is it our garbage collector? At the current time, it is not us. Okay. Just wanted to clarify that. Thank you. Thank you all. Appreciate the update. Thank you. Up next, if we can get AT&T to the podium, please. And I believe you've got, yeah, some, some slides to show us as well. Yes, we do. Uh, good morning, Council uh, Chair Walker, distinguished uh, Council Team, President Shane. Uh, Steve, thank you for this opportunity to get up and present today. As you can see, we brought a team today. Uh, I'm, I'm not alone. These are the men and women of AT&T, uh, one that helped us during the uh, restoration effort, uh, even prior to the restoration effort, the great job that these men and women did in planning to ensure that uh, we responded uh, not only in a timely fashion, but expeditiously in making sure we kept the residents and the constituents of Jefferson Parish happy and pleased during our time of restoration. Joining us today is uh, J.C. Monclaw. J.C. is the state director for our construction and engineering team. So welcome, J.C. I have Wayne Stein, who is the area manager for construction and engineering. Uh, so he, he will be presenting a few items today. We have Mr. Quentin Wire and Mr. Ashley, Ms. Ashley Varnado, who is representing our AT&T retail team. So they are the face of AT&T when it comes to our retail team. So we are well represented here today. First, I will talk about our, uh, our restoration effort. I am pleased to say that 
We are more than 99% restored within uh, Jefferson Parish. There may be a few onesies or twosies that are left out there. Uh, and as those residents, constituents return back to their home, we ask them to reach out to AT&T via uh, the AT&T app, uh, att.com, or by calling us at 1-800-288-2020. Uh, for those that don't want to wait, uh, you know, I've heard that may be a 10 or 15 minute wait. I've personally not experienced that, but if they do call in, they can feel free to leave their information and receive a call back upon uh, their request where they, where they won't have to wait. Um, some of the issues that we continue to see, I know the restoration and debris team just uh, got finished presenting, not saying that they're doing it. And we've not seen a lot of this in Jefferson Parish. But some of the things that can happen across the region as debris is being cleaned up, um, there can be some fiber still on the ground in certain places. And so as the debris is being picked up, uh, restoration is happening, we've seen some fiber cuts that can still disrupt services. But again, you know, our team is out there restoring those, uh, those fiber cuts quickly and making sure that the constituents of Jefferson Parish um, have their service. Today I, want, I really want to focus on, well, before I move into restoration and move into this next phase, are there any questions about restoration? And again, thank you for all the councilmen, the escalations that you sent our way. Our team responded quickly to make sure that we delivered for your constituents. So, so Quentin or, 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 or Ashley, yes. I'm sorry, Councilwoman Van Breiken has one. Let me ask one question, if you would. Um, this was posed to me by a constituent yesterday, and I didn't have an answer. Um, the question was AT&T um, cell service uh, after the storm also had an interruption, and they didn't understand why. Was there a particular reason for that inter interruption? I understand, obviously, the, the lines that are above the ground running to people's homes may have come down in the wind, and that would interrupt your service at home of internet or U-verse uh, television. What about the cell service? Is there an answer to why that was interrupted? So, so I, I will say, great question, uh, Councilwoman Van Franken, but out of respect, uh, those discussions are happening at the highest echelons of our company. Uh, they're happening with the FCC. Uh, they're taking place in the walls of Washington, D.C. So I don't want to get in, in front of that and stumble over that. Uh, full reviews are happening. They will take place, and a complete report will be presented. And at that time, I'll be more than happy to come back and present that to, uh, to, to the Jefferson Parish Council. All right. Uh, Ashley or Quinn, do you mind helping with the presentation, maybe just clicking through as, as, as we talk? Oh, thank you. Thank you. So I, I do want to take a little time to focus on the next phase. Uh, you know, as I was presenting uh, at the council uh, uh, EOC uh, during the nightly press conferences, I had an opportunity to kind of go back and watch and see comments by some of the Jefferson Parish constituents. Uh, and the majority of them were positive. Uh, and I saw those comments specifically coming from customers that had our fiber service. You know, comments was like, my service never went out. Even when I lost power, I still had my AT&T fiber internet. And today I really want to focus on building for the future when it comes to Jefferson Parish. You know, AT&T has invested heavily in Jefferson Parish and also heavily in the state of Louisiana. Over the last three years, we've invested $1.1 billion in our best-in-class wireless 
uh, and our network infrastructure here within the state of Louisiana. Majority of that, I won't, I won't rephrase that, but we have invested heavily in Jefferson Parish to make this the best and most connected parish within, within the state of Louisiana. We can move to the next slide, please. Uh, and so, can you go back one? Yes. So we've up made 727 upgrades within the, uh, the state of Louisiana in 2020. Whether that be new sales sites, uh, whether that being adding additional wired capacity, uh, and, and improving our wireless network security, and also expanding our broadband connection. Uh, when we talk about fiber, you know, we have run more than 2.3 million miles of fiber optic strands within the state of Louisiana through July 31st of 2020, and we continue to build more, specifically focused on Jefferson Parish and other surrounding areas. So we've invested uh, more than $5.6 million that we've contributed by AT&T, our foundation, uh, and our employees through 2018 through 2020 and giving programs. You know, when I think about that through our expire program that we work with many local schools within Jefferson Parish, you know, whether that's, you know, it's supporting, you know, the Hispanic Chambers, United Ways of Southeast Louisiana. These are things that we're contributing in Jefferson Parish to not only, you know, uh, to, to expand our network, but also to invest in the people of Jefferson Parish as well. Uh, you know, impacts, you know, uh, we're a good neighbor. We want to be a good corporate citizen. You know, when we think about this as well, too, you know, from our time, we've invested more than 7,500 hours of our time, well, well, that's volunteering. You know, when I think about the Uncle Sam Jam, when I think about, you know, the Capasso uh, Fest that, that, that takes place in other parks within Jefferson Parish, you know. When I think about, you know, uh, the events that we have coming up in the future that we've already committed to, to volunteer with. So, again, we live, we work, and we play right here in Jefferson Parish. You know, if we equate that to money, our time, we're talking about over 205000 dollars in man hours that we've invested here in Jefferson Parish. So not only are we investing heavily in Louisiana, we're also investing in building a better Louisiana. So what does that look like? You know, uh, there are more than 3,200 AT&T employees, again, that live, work, and play right here. And we're represented by strong employees right here that's standing beside me. Uh, there are 5,722 retirees that live within the state that pay taxes, that, that volunteer, that, that contribute, that, that vote right here uh, within the state and within Jefferson Parish. We have 259 retail locations. Uh, we've generated over $200 million in local and state sales tax, and this is through 2019. So, again, we're in the community, we're embedded in the community, and we're making the, 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 the investment real. Uh, so I'm going to hand it over to JC and talk a little bit about our investment that, we're, that we want to make from a fiber perspective and our, and our fiber bill plan. 
take my mask off. Again, thank you for letting us be here today. We, we appreciate you listening to us. So in 2016 over to 2020, we have made a significant investment in Jefferson Parish building our fiber network. We currently pass about 54,000 living units. So that's a customer location that can currently get our fiber service. That was an investment of about $43 million on AT&T's part that we've put into this community over 2016 to 2020. And looking ahead to 2021, where we are now, our initial build was for another 44,000 customer locations to be covered by our fiber network. Um, that is a revenue of about $1.6 million in permit fees that we pay to Jefferson Parish to be able to place our facilities here. And that's another um, $35.5 million investment that we're making from AT&T's money to invest in this community. Um, the folks want it. I know he, he mentioned that there were several folks that had it during the storm. They felt it was reliable. The folks want it. And we want to keep building it. And our problem here is that we are having, you want to go to the next slide? One more. Yeah, so our biggest challenge right now in Jefferson Parish is that we are having issues getting our permits approved. So our, our appeal today is to see if we can move forward with getting some of these permits approved so that we can move forward with this fiber build and this investment in the community. Again, we're leaving a lot of money on the table from permitting fees and, um, and that sort if we, if we don't get to move forward. Plus, we're not being able to invest in the folks that are, that are here and wanting us to invest. Um, you can see we've got 29 permits that are over 120 days, so been with you guys for four months, and we're trying to get those through the hopper so that we can move forward on the build, and then another 21 permits that have been outstanding for over 180 days. Um, we do have a few permits, too. It says eight. We have a few that have been approved and since halted, and so we, we just want to be able to move forward with our fiber build so that we can turn up this service to our, our customers. Um, you can see what I mentioned earlier. I said we had about a $1.6 million investment that we are paying in permit fees to Jefferson Parish this year for 2021 build. Um, that, that's all contingent upon us getting this approval to move forward today. We have paid some of that to date, um, but again, we still have several outstanding permits that we're looking to get approved at this point. And here's just a few pictures we wanted to, to bring life to the situation. So here's a few pictures of what we actually need to put in the field to, to complete the build. You see the picture on the left, that is our main distribution box. So we normally place that you know, outside of a neighborhood, around a neighborhood that we want to feed. Our goal is to put it in a spot you know, that's inconspicuous, that you know, isn't going to be in somebody's front yard right in the middle of where they need to park and where they need to look out their window every day. We want these in an area that are kind of outside of the neighborhood neighborhood and um, and not interrupting someone's daily life so that's that picture on the left that's our main distribution and then if you see the next two pictures on the right those are handholes that that is our current architecture that we use today out in the field um, in the past we've used pedestals but we have moved forward with with trying to be as inconspicuous as possible with these handholes the picture in the middle is a little bit larger handhole it's where we you know we meet up and then we distribute out to different homes so the picture on the right is is going to be about every two to three homes um, so that we can serve everybody in that neighborhood so i just wanted to bring life to the to the scenario so that you could see what's actually going on in the field. Now, again, there was pedestals in the past. We're kind of out of that business. We know that you guys would prefer a flush mount solution, so that's why we've moved forward with that solution. Any questions? The, if we go back to that, well, you don't have to go back to Okay, that's fine. 
if I'm looking on the left, you said those will not be in front of people's houses, correct? That's correct. We try to put those um, uh, in areas where it's more commercial areas and things of that nature, so they're not sitting inside the actual neighborhood itself, but adjacent to it. And there's been discussion at the council over the last few years of the, uh, I think the term used is Q-tips, these posts and whatnot. Is that in any way part of any of this? Uh, we stopped using those a couple of years ago on the request of Jefferson Parish. All right. So, so allowing these permits to go forward, getting this fiber installed, the aesthetic changes you'll see are what we see on this picture. That's correct. And in terms of neighborhoods, the those green boxes, which I think I've got one of those in front of my house. In That's fact. correct. Okay. Thank you. Councilwoman Van Viken. Um, I, I know we'll all remember years ago there was a, a book, Everything I Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. So I'm going to try and keep it simple. Um, uh, I know some of these permits have been in review for a while. I think I, I speak for myself at least to know my concerns are making sure that as you move forward, um, you're a good neighbor because we're very excited about upgrading technology in Jefferson Parish. We have all seen what storms can uh, do to disrupt the damage. So having some of these resources under the ground, we're definitely supportive of that concept. A few questions that I have are just making sure that as we move forward and approve permits, that you stand to be a good neighbor. So one of those early lessons we learned is about sharing, right? We learned that was important to share uh, as children. I know as Entergy, for example, puts up poles throughout our, um, throughout our community to power um, our homes and our businesses. Eight, um, Entergy has allowed those poles to also hang other aspects or other, um, I should say, utilities on there. So, you know, Cox wire is on the Entergy poles, AT&T wire is on the Entergy poles. Part of the discussions we've had is when we move forward with you and you're putting resources under the ground, are you leaving room to share that space with others? Because just like Entergy puts up a poll, think of what our community would look like if Entergy had to put up a poll, AT&T had to put up a poll, Cox had to put up a poll, Verizon had to put up a poll. You get the picture. I mean, we would be overrun with something that would really start, I think, to degrade the visuals of, of you know, what we want in a nice community. So as you're deploying resources, one of my first questions is, are you going to share that space so that when Cox or AT&T or someone else comes along, they could go within the same footprint of where you're laying fiber under the ground so they won't have to take up an additional space? Because remember, you're navigating around our sewer, our water, all of our infrastructure. So are you, are you going to provide uh, sharing space for neighbors? When you talk about uh, the pole scenario, that's what we call an aerial route. And basically, we're sharing an aerial right-of-way. And we would surely share the existing servitudes or road right-of-ways with any other utility that y'all permitted to go on those grounds. In the space that, so you're laying something in the ground. Are you going to put it in the ground in a way that Verizon, you know, Cox, whoever might want to go under the ground could share what you're digging? And again, I don't know if there's a more technical way to approach this, but, but it's our right-of-way, it's our ground. I would like to, to minimize everybody having to lay their own things next to each other 
if you're putting in, let's say, one tube, leave space so that others can run in that same space and not have to continuously navigate around our infrastructure because inevitably um, our water system's gonna be hit, our sewer system's gonna be hit, it does happen. So are you going to put things in the ground, leaving space in what you're implementing to allow others to piggyback in your space? Surely they would be able to share the same right-of-way grounds, but the network that we're building, we guarantee a level of service so we don't allow other folks to uh, get into our network. So you're not gonna share. Entergy, if Entergy put up a poll and said, nothing else can go on our polls but Entergy, then we would have all the proliferation of polls that I'm explaining. So that's what I'm trying to get to. If we can have you dig in a way, just like the polls, where others can share the same space you're putting under the ground, that as a community, I think, would be beneficial because we only have to navigate our infrastructure once. Yeah, and, and I think you make a, a valid point. I do want to speak to the polls. So we have a, a attachment agreements uh, with uh, the Public Service Commission sort of says, hey, you know, um, we'll put these polls up, uh, we attach, uh, we have agreements with the other utilities. Um, you know, so the, 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 the layout is a bit different when it comes to bearing underground services. Um, and, and so, you know, the, the risk of damaging facilities is much greater, as you mentioned, you know, uh, for underground services than they are attaching to poles. Now, I think those discussions are something that, that would have to take place at a public service commission level in order for us to say, okay, this is what we're going to do. And again, I want to assure you that we are good neighbors uh, and we want to be good neighbors. Uh, and, and, you know, we work with different service providers, again, you know, as they're deploying their services, oftentimes, you know, as a quote-unquote uh, incumbent carrier here, um, we may provide fiber services for them to support their, uh, their, their, their product, their service that they're offering. Uh, but I think what you're recommending or suggesting right now has to take place at a higher level, uh, and I think those are some discussions that we would definitely welcome. Mr. Jones, if I may, I think I'm going to clarify Councilwoman Van, Councilwoman Van Ranker's question. Would you be willing to lease space inside of your conduit to another carrier? Yes, we do do that. We share space with other carriers. Uh, there's a process to go through to do that. And you're willing to do that in Jefferson as you're uh, unveiling this new network? There is a process to go through that that's mandated by the FCC and the Public Service Commission, yes. Okay, this is, again, I'm not getting exact yeses. Um, and so I think we're trying to express concern that for us as a community, if you do set up an area where you take on the initial cost and you put your stuff in the ground but allow for space that you can then lease to other carriers, that would be advantageous as a community. So whether those discussions have to take place at the FCC level or the Public Service Commission level, what we're trying to get to ultimately is a yes where you can do it and then you benefit, you're, you're charting the territory, you benefit by leasing that same space to other carriers in the future, but then there's only one thing running, running under the ground in our right of way. That would be beneficial. So I would ask that those discussions continue. How about this third attempt looking at those green boxes that are in the ground that are flush with the ground could we be looking at three or four boxes like that from different carriers if you aren't under a shared agreement because i think the preference would be obviously by everyone is to have one of those with everything running through it underground because if i'm not an at&t customer i'm pretty aggravated that 
that's in my front yard and it says AT&T on it and my service is mixed in with that uh, you know with three or four of those boxes on the ground is where what are you doing in other places around the country where there might be commingling already is are there more than one of these green boxes in the ground so I'll take that in other places you know I've, I've worked in various markets across the country uh, these questions have not come up uh, you know so you know a different utility would you know bear their services if they would do that so you would have a, a right-of-way between the the sidewalk and the street that has multiple of these boxes in one place uh, yes and, and that that does exist uh, today so so yes that is a possibility but again you know when we think about other service providers and the amount of investment that we've made over the last three years uh, again I can't say what um, you know it, it's not customary where you're going to see multiple providers come in and say, well, hey, I want to use this particular right-of-way. Um, you know, we do have competitors here within Jefferson Parish, but, you know, it's not customary for you to see three, four, and five competitors come in and say, hey, I want to deploy this, this same type of service. But you have seen it in other places. It um, has happened? I have seen maybe one additional provider come in and say, well, I want to deploy services. One of the other questions, and I appreciate the attempts to, to clarify what our concerns are. Um, another early lesson I learned, you know, you pull out a certain amount of toys and games, and before you could pull out more, you had to put those toys away. Um, I think that's something we all learned. I know we've been having conversations as you move to new technology. We have asked questions about will you take down the infrastructure that you're leaving behind. One of the things we get, and this is not directed to you, Entergy. Entergy puts up a new pole, they leave the old pole. And it is exceedingly aggravating to people when they see the old stuff left. One of the things I fear is that if you don't put the toys you've already pulled out away, if you don't take down the things that you're abandoning essentially as you deploy your new assets, your new fiber, um, I think to be a good neighbor, removing that stuff that would no longer be needed to service your customers is important because otherwise those lines above the ground are going to wind up being abandoned on poles and inevitably when, in, when the next storm comes through, we get calls to all of our offices that say there's some line down, there's some line down tangled in a tree and then we can't remove the tree yet because we're dealing with lines. I worry that if you don't take down your old infrastructure, your old lines that won't be needed, those things are going to be abandoned and just become a problem. Is there a reason why you would not be able to clean up our community by taking down your old assets as you deploy the new ones? Uh, and, and I want to make sure I understand um, when you say take down old lines, I'm assuming uh, you're referencing uh, some copper cables or is, is that what you're referencing? So. So pot service, our traditional plain on telephone service, uh, other products and services still ride on UVerse. Um, you know, there are no plans currently um, in place to, to, to say, hey, we're going to decommission all of our copper. Those are conversations also that, that, that would take place at a public service commission level. Uh, you know, with the FCC, we don't have the authority to say we're going to force migrate customers off of copper and onto fiber. Uh, now, if that's something that Jefferson Parish says, look, all constituents in Jefferson Parish, we no longer want you on copper, we want you on fiber, 
I think those are some things that we can sit down and discuss and even, you know, take to the Public Service Commission. Let me clarify a little bit. One of the things I understand, and again, this is not my area of expertise, but we have um, consultants that the parish has uh, relied upon um, um, in this area of expertise. The they have explained that, that these assets could be commingled. And as you're deploying, and again, I don't know if MS Benbow is here. I know they've, they've helped us navigate some of this. But, but one of the things that was shared with all the council members is something that could be deployed in the community that consolidates the copper and the fiber into essentially one housing um, so that it would not leave that copper abandoned but, but combines it, makes it more efficient. So I would just ask that we explore that. What we're looking to do, you're looking for a yes or no. But we want to make sure that there's not a pro proliferation of these boxes and images we see on the screen now, because believe me, we will get calls from our constituents if a box like the one on the left pops up next to their home, and I've seen it happen before. Uh, it actually interrupted a driveway that was being poured at a, a home in construction. So um, the, the little boxes you see on the lawn, Again, I think they're great to be flush uh, to the ground. I think that's, that's an improvement than anything sticking up out of the ground. But we worry that AT&T puts one, Cox puts one, and then we have a proliferation of these things. You've already said they're going to be at every other home. Um, and, and again, making sure that we don't abandon things because as a community, we do see abandoned lines on those um, utility poles now. And so if we can um, avoid that in the future, that's part of what I think our concern has been. I, I definitely understand. And, you know, as I think about how we work with Jefferson Parish and want to continue to work with Jefferson Parish, you know, the migration that we've gone from pedestals to handholds, and, you know, now we're talking about migrating into a single solution. So, uh, you, know, uh, you know, I am more than welcome to continue the conversation uh, and to look for new and innovative ways to deliver for our constituents uh, and our customers here in Jefferson Parish. Thank you. Councilman Posada. And I know y'all aren't done, but my questions were mainly that. But since we kind of got down this road, I'll jump in. Um, and my perspective might be slightly different. Uh, one of my major concerns, and I think I brought it up at the last council meeting, is our ability to have communication by way of Internet, phone, et cetera, at the highest, most technologically advanced way possible so that we can compete as a community nationally and internationally. Is fiber the way to do that? You want to talk about fiber? Absolutely. Fiber is the latest and greatest technology in the world right now. And it's my understanding from what I reviewed is the areas that had the most consistent, uninterrupted communication during the recent hurricane, Hurricane Ida, were places where fiber, in fact, had been installed in our community. Fair? That is correct. Um, and so to me, I feel like we're at a, a critical point of critical mass where we need to look very closely at this and maybe some of the, if I'm looking at the community that I represent, to me, that need for communication, especially during those disasters of the, is of the utmost, uh, importance, um, albeit at the cost of what I consider to be relatively minor, uh, aesthetic issues. Here's my question. And with this poll discussion, to me, the concept of co-locating on a utility pole is not quite the same thing. My question to you is, what are the alternatives besides installing in the ground for installing fiber and deploying fiber? Or is that it? The alternative is put it in the air and then you risk a, another 
wind event and taking it down. The exact same problem that we've been experiencing. Um, where else in the state have y'all been deploying this fiber? Yeah, the entire state. Has anyone um, withheld the permits in the same manner as which Jefferson Parish has? No, sir. What about within Jefferson Parish, other municipalities? And I, I'm giving you a hint. I live in the city of Kenner, so... Um, are you deploying fiber anywhere there? We're deploying fiber everywhere, and the only major issues we've had was getting permits approved through Jefferson Parish. And, and in the city of Kenner, those areas that had the fiber deployed during Hurricane Ida had the benefit of that uninterrupted service. And I know not 100%, but in much, much, much greater proportions than what we had in unincorporated. Fair? That is correct. Um, <clears throat> okay. So, and in terms of the sharing of space, if it's, if it's possible and available, you will, and it's been done in other places, but there's been other places where other carriers just have to do their own, correct? Yeah, they have to build, they, they buy a network from us in some situations, and some they build their own network. It depends on that company's philosophy. Okay. All right. Thank you, Council Chairman. Uh, Councilman Lee is next. Two simple questions. How much is the investment that you all are going to make if your permits are approved? 2021, our initial investment was for $35 million. $435 million. And so that's for 2021. Moving forward, moving forward if, all, every, if all fiber is installed in the parish, what's the total investment by you guys? Total investment, we're looking at... $120 million since 2016. Okay. So what happens if your permits are not approved? Then we're going to take our investment and, and spend it where we can't get our permits approved. Okay. I got some template. Uh, on? Just real fast, on, and I want to piggyback on what Councilman Impostata was talking about as far as uh, the, the services that had less interruption uh, of you know having cell phone service or uh, having internet capability or phone capability was the fiber optic choice that AT&T and other companies might have out there. We all saw during IDA that uh, even till today we have some customers or citizens who do not have the capability of internet or, or Wi-Fi at their home or their business, which is costing businesses to shut down. Uh, and come to find out during Ida that I didn't know is that some communities within Jefferson Parish have no choice but to use one carrier, which, which I was surprised to find out. Uh, you know, we heard from the President of the United States to the Governor uh, of Louisiana saying, you know, we need to harden our systems, uh, you know, from electrical down to our communications. It, would you consider this a, a possibility of hardening our systems here in Jefferson Parish? Uh, yes, sir, I would. Okay, and that, that, that's basically what I wanted to make sure that I heard because, you know, uh, we had so many businesses, like uh, on the news yesterday, I watched where one had to close down because they still do not have Internet capability to run their business. So thank you. Councilman Bonanno. I have a question and one comment. My qu question to you is fiber being placed under the ground, is it not more resilient than copper when it comes to water infiltration? Uh 
Yes, sir. Not to get too technical, but fiber optic is basically a glass to where copper, uh, water and copper do not mix good together. But copper is impacted by water filtration. Absolutely, right. yeah. Electrolysis sets in, and it basically deteriorates the signal, and the signal collapses. Right. So it's much more likely that this would survive a storm, even with heavy rains, than a copper placed on the area. Water has no effect to the fiber cable. And my second is just an observation. You know, throughout this parish, we have many rear yard servitudes, and following a storm, many people were evacuated. But you and Entergy had to get to those rear yards to restore service. It necessitated you all taking people's fences down and rutting up their yards. By placing this fiber in the front yard, we're avoiding a lot of those situations, are we not? That is correct. Okay. And, and I just want to mention, I fully support this project and your investment in our community. It's a direction we have to work towards. Thank you. I think that's it from us up here. Y'all have anything else? Mr. Chairman, if I could. Yes, ma'am. Uh, we certainly appreciate this conversation, especially you know, being out in the public, I think many of the issues you were talking about within our departments, we're grappling with some of these issues as well. The first issue that, and I'm very grateful for, is that we didn't want you all getting complaints when your constituents drove home and found something in their right-of-way that they were not expecting when they left home that morning. So I think this moves a lot toward that. Uh, I myself have been an advocate, if you heard me on, on any media, um, uh, after the storm of hardening uh, our infrastructure. So overall, we, we certainly welcome and thank AT&T for their investment here. Um, we know we have to move toward that. Um, but in, in, in with my support of that as well, um, there are issues that we have to grapple with. If you, if you could go back to that picture, could you go back to that picture on the left? Um, you know, if you go to one of the issues we have um, in, in Jefferson Parish to no one's fault, um, and I, I hate to bring Councilwoman's uh, Van Rankin's district. Um, if you go down Lake Avenue um, in Bucktown and you look down that narrow street and you see the poles, it's horrifying looking. If you just if you have fresh eyes to it, uh, that's to nobody's fault. We're an old community. We built the community. Um, we have poles up um, in newer sections. We we look cleaner. When you travel anywhere else, I've yet to see a community that looks worse than we do. Um, it's a cleaner look when you travel anywhere, Texas, Florida, you don't have to go far. So we kind of inherited um, an ugly community, I hate to say it, I'm very proud of our community, but we, we inherited ugly aesthetics. Um, so, uh, you know, I've been an advocate for trying to clean it up. I was one of the, you know, as, although I'm grateful for what AT&T did, the orange Q-tips that were just all over our parish, thousands of them were going directly against all the efforts that we were making to beautify our rights of way. And they were just everywhere, these plastic poles with orange signs on it. If you went to La Madeleine on Severn, I think they had 15 of them right on that corner. So I think we owe it to ourselves to absolutely embrace new technologies and absolutely embrace a resilient environment, especially in light of the storm, but to do so in as minimally invasive and as aesthetically as pleasing way as possible for our economic development and as for just the way we look. Um, one of the questions we had asked of them was you hope that with new equipment you do remove some of the old equipment. Um, we had asked, you know, many of the poles um, are in backyards, some are in front yards, would those wires get removed as this new equipment is put in? Um, and the answer was no. Um, and then we did ask as well, now they don't show the picture, but many people have pedestals in front of their house. So does this um, handheld, you call it a handhold? Is that the right one? Does the handhold, is it going to look like this picture, or is a pedestal going to also be there? Is this 
this handhold going to remove the pedestal? Uh, my, my people in my department say, no, it's, it's not, but I think the technology is there that it could. So that would be our ask. You know, if, if this can come in and the pedestal can get removed, can we do that if the technology is there for that? Um, and then, uh, and of course, we just want everybody to know that if we approve these permits, whether or not you're an AT&T customer, every other house might have this in front of it which is a move toward getting things off the poles, but just everybody understands we might look uglier before we even look better because nothing's getting removed from a pole. But again, I, I agree that this is an advancement of the technology, but we're still going to look very ugly and nothing else is going to get removed. So this is adding to it. Um, I, I would like to know if, you know, the, the permits that I was, you know, shown by Mark and his staff, it seemed like this, it's not going to really look like this picture in the middle because it's going to have a pedestal next to it that's already existing. So maybe this is a picture of the new equipment. I don't know if this is a picture of what it looks like in reality after you finish, or is this going to replace the pedestal? So, you know, these are the issues that we're grappling with. But, you know, our, our, our main concern, our, our main issue is just we're grateful for this conversation, and we just want our citizens to know what to expect and I certainly do support this overall, that this is a hardening, this is fiber. We have got to stay in competition with all the other communities. But our ask is to do it as, as aesthetically pleasing as possible. Because if, if you go to Texas, and I was just in Austin, this box on the left is surrounded by landscaping. Um, they're a newer community. Maybe they plan that ahead of time. But that would have all bushes all around that. It, you would not even see it. That's not what it's going to look like in our community because we're already built out. And I'm not expecting you to put landscaping around that. But unfortunately, we are an older community, and it's going to look, it's not going to look the same as other communities already. So thank you. Thank you, Madam President. And if I could ask Mark to come up and just kind of, it's some of the same issues, but some of the right-of-way issues we're concerned about, you know, other people coming into the market, and especially on some streets, take ours, for example, very, very, very narrow right-of-ways. So just, Mark, if you could just go over, since we're talking about this, just some of the issues that we've been grappling with, you know, in our administrative departments. Well, here's some of the permitting issues that we have. Uh, number one, uh, when you're coming in and you're putting fiber, but you have an existing already underground system, which has above-ground pedestals. The permits we had had no co-location of those equipment. So what I have is pedestals are all going to remain, and then I'm going to get additional boxes, whether they're flush-mounted or not. Uh, there is equipment I know above ground that you could have co-located those uh, equipment in so that you don't have an additional box. Uh, better yet, and uh, Benbo might be able to answer this in AT&T, it would be better if you could remove that above-ground pedestal, co-locate the copper with the fiber in a flush-mount box. So we have numerous permits like that. And that's an issue for us in that we're going to have existing infrastructure in front of people's yards and additional infrastructure in front of people's yards. Number two, there's a request to put service boxes at the property line of all the properties, at the commingled property line. Okay, so you're getting a service box in some of these permits even though you don't have a request for service. Okay, so here I'm going to have a box in front of someone's yard that doesn't request service. Well, I could in the future have another service come in that they do want, and they're going to have another box in front of the yards, okay? And this is something that we have an, an issue with, okay? Uh, with regard to, uh, you know, uh, when they're on the lines in the rear uh, properties, uh, we don't have as much heartburn, but you just do have to understand that there is nothing in front of those residents right now. And so when they do go into our right-of-way, uh, there will be facilities in front of the right-of-way that people did not have before. 
Uh, my final issue is obviously uh, we would like them to stay within their same footprint in the same location where their existing cable system is where they're already on the ground. I have water, sewer, drainage, gas already in the ground. I have other underground systems and fiber in the ground. So it's critical that, you know, I don't have AT&T here on one side with their main line running. It needs to be very close to that existing line because if I allow them to go in another spot in my right away, well, what do I do with Verizon and everyone else? So these are the issues that we're grappling with and the issues that we have in the permitting process because, again, our job is not only to protect the public right away and make sure it works correctly, but also we have, uh, we have to look at the aesthetics as well. I think Councilman Lee has a question for you, Mr. Drews. Mark, here's my question. Why did the permits get approved and then put on hold? Uh, look, I think what, what happened is initially, and, and I'm not 100% sure because it goes through the streets department, but it may have been approved initially and we didn't realize exactly, look, these are the problems that we're going to be having. And so we held those up. Uh, because we did not want to have two sets of infrastructure in the same location, okay? So that may be the case. I, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, Brooke may be able to answer that. Uh, let me tell you, um, and I've heard everything that's been said, but it seems as though that we are assigning a lot of our past mistakes to this application. We have, as the parish president said, you go to other municipalities, you, you don't see certain things or you see beautification centered around that. But in the future, when someone comes and want to piggyback perhaps off of what we're asking them to do, we have to give a lot of thought as to whether that is something that uh, that vendor who may come in after them, okay, from, from, from just a strategic standpoint, whether that is something that they accept. So we may have some goals for the parish in terms of what we, we, how we want these things to look in, in our residence yard. But if you have other providers of services say, no, there's, I, I'm, I'm not touching the AT&T box, what do we do then? Because I, I think what's going to happen is, is because everybody has their own designs, everybody has their own desires in terms of how they set up. I don't know if, you, if you're going to have any uh, a, a unanimous, uh, a unanimous situation where everybody wants to lease from AT&T or everybody wants to have their system set up the same way. So I think it's it's like we're in some ways, and I, in some ways it's like we're saying you guys are going to be the guinea pig for what we want, and although we don't know that the other providers may even want to use their backbone. And so I'm just saying, I'm just, I'm just saying this because I'm hearing, what I'm hearing is, is that we want perfection when we will never get perfection. I think, look, there's two cases here, okay? The first case is if they're coming into a virgin place where there's no services, okay, Okay, and they don't have existing infrastructure, then there should be no issue with permitting. Okay? What we're concerned about is where they have existing infrastructure and they have existing above-ground boxes. Now we're coming in with a new service and there's no co-location. So now I get two sets of infrastructure with boxes for the new and above-ground boxes for the old with no effort to co-locate those systems. 
theoretically, you could put the new system running into the same box, okay? Or you may have to replace that box. Or, better yet, if you put an underground box and ran the two systems together, then I just have one set of above-ground infrastructure uh, with regard to boxes and pedestals, et cetera, instead of two. So that is our main issue here, not if they were in, you know, like I said, if they're coming off a pole in the rear and they're going in the front and the parish is okay with that, you know, uh, you know, then again, they would be putting in their new services and we wouldn't have an issue with that. It's trying not to have two sets of infrastructure for each company, okay, because I have more than one company. So I don't need that proliferation of additional boxes, okay? So I think that's something that we need to address. And, and I understand that if we lived in a perfect world, uh, but we have neighborhoods where people put, in Woodmere, for example, uh, you have a wonderful neighborhood and, and people years ago decided to build apartments over there and it is, it is caused in some areas the demise of the neighborhood. There are mistakes that have been made. We can't fix them all. We can hope to do better. But the reality, the reality is, is that if we have to, we certainly want great aesthetics moving forward. But I just don't believe that all the carriers are going to agree uh, with, uh, as was, you know, requested, that all the carriers would agree that they want to network their system within the AT&T, what AT&T is proposing. And so I don't know how we remedy that, but I don't believe that the others are just going to say, okay, we want to do it that way, because everybody does it different. No, and I'm, I'm not here to, to talk about that, because, yes, that's a different animal. If you, you could theoretically put a conduit in the ground that can, could take the wires, okay, but there may still be a problem with the services. I mean, they probably would all need their individual box. What we're concerned about here is just trying to not have two sets of infrastructure for each company. Uh, or have boxes, service boxes, where people don't have requests for service, okay, which has the potential for having multiple boxes. So I think that's what we're trying to do is to try to, to work to when this infra new infrastructure is installed to make it commingled as best as possible with what is actually existing when that's the case. How long is the regulatory process with the Public Service Commission going to take? It, if, 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 we, if we go down the road, if they go down the road to say, hey, look, we're interested in doing what some of the council members suggested, how long does a process like that take? And then how does, how does that impact uh, whether uh, they can be permitted or not? That, that I don't know. That's a little beyond me. I don't know. Maybe AT&T has a better idea, or maybe Benbo. Uh, is Kelly Eubin in? I'm sorry to be going longer than that. Maybe she's not here, but uh, that, that question, you know. So, I, so it, it, has, it has to be factored in, because I know that there's time dates in terms of on the permits and all those kind of things. And, and so, you know, we, we just we have to come to some resolve with this. Well, we, we can research that and try to get you an answer. And Mark, here, Mr. Drews, here's my, my concern is we're talking about this as, it, as companies, as if it's, this is just some private entity looking to do business in Jefferson Parish. My concern is that I wonder if our departments are not treating this as a utility, as an essential service. From my vantage point, and I may be dead wrong on this, but the way I feel is that the communication aspect of this is as essential as water, sewage, and drainage 
to our constituents. So in my mind, the fact that that's being done by a private entity, I think is relatively irrelevant. And my concern is that we're placing additional challenges and really halting without a proposed modification what is ultimately an essential service that our constituents need and demand. And that's my, that's my main concern in all of this is that I think we have an obligation to provide that. And what causes me concern is are our right-of-way issues so unique in Jefferson Parish that they're not the same as they are in Kenner, in Gretna, and the other 63 parishes in the state? That's, I guess, and maybe they are. I don't know the engineering. I don't know the science. But um, it unfortunately creates uh, an optical presentation that we are placing additional, more stringent uh, demands on a utility than what everyone else is. And if that is the case, then I would wonder what is it we know that the others don't is my concern. I understand where you're coming from. Look, the goal here obviously is to get the latest technology, but it's also to use the current and available technology as well to try to limit the impact in that footprint. And that's what we're trying to do. We, you know, there is the ability to co-locate uh, the existing with the new. Uh, so, you know, it would, you know, it's incumbent on us to at least take a look at uh, having that implemented while they're putting in this new service. So are you proposing alternatives or modifications to their permits? And I say you, I mean our varying permitting departments, whichever ones do that. Look, it, what we have to do is, again, bring the issues up to the council, the administration, that, look, here's some issues that are going to cause us problems uh, and make recommendations. It would be our recommendation that, hey, wherever we can, we co-locate those facilities to try to, you know, make sure going forward that our right-of-way, again, that our footprint that AT&T has is limited because I have limited right-of-way that I have to deal with. And again, that, that footprint, again, that's above ground, that can be a nuisance for our residents, is also limited as much as possible. When can, um, when can they expect to get, because I understand it, at least according to the presentation, there's been 50 permits that have basically been halted. Um, when can they expect to get a response on, I guess it's one at a time, right? Recommendations on each permit? Is that... Uh, is that how it works? I have a lot of permits that are similar, have similar issues. So, again, if we can resolve these issues maybe with co-location and, uh, again, I, you know, I don't know why the parish has to approve a service box at someone who does not have a request in for service. Okay, I'm not under the impression that we do, so there's some issues that just need to be re resolved. And if we can resolve those issues, then a lot of the permits basically have the same, the same you know, problems. So when, when can that look, response? We can make a, a, maybe a formal response within a week to AT&T saying, look, this is what we believe needs to, to happen okay, in order for permits to, to be done. But we would also, may take a little longer because before we would write that letter, I would also like to have the administration and the council aware uh, of what, what we propose, uh, I think would be the best way to go about it. Thank you. That's what we've been make sure mark um, that I'm appreciating your goal because again we have a limited amount of space in our parish right-of-way and we have a lot of infrastructure under there um, already uh, other companies other providers aside because I realize that's a lofty goal to ask that you lay it for everyone and then they can lease from you 
let's just boil it down to just AT&T. If, if I'm understanding what you're saying, AT&T right now has some technology already in the ground with boxes that pop up out of the ground. One of the thoughts is asking them to lay whatever the new stuff is right in the same footprint alongside their old stuff or take the old stuff out and the old things popping up out of the ground out and co-locate co all of this kind of along the same footprint. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, what, I, what I'm trying to do is, is you have a box that handles the copper that pops up, okay? There are boxes similar that can handle both the copper and the fiber, okay? Uh, in a perfect world, you would actually take that out and co-mingle them both in a box that's flush-mounted. Uh, that would be better, but there is that capability, and we know that exists in, in all our permits that there was no attempt to, to co-locate that. So I ended up with basically two sets of boxes. And you're trying to, to have AT&T stay pretty much within the footprint that they already have underground if they're there. If yeah, they're laying it new, it's different. But we're asking them to stay in the same footprint because as a parish, we have to appreciate that we have a limited amount of space, period. And so asking them to stay along their existing footprint would be most efficient. Yes, and, and it's limited, and again, theoretically, there are clearances that are required to our water and our sewer lines as well, okay? And I, so, again, you know, the right-of-way is not unlimited for utilities. I do appreciate. We want to move forward with this. We, we know this is something that will benefit our community. If the administration, Mark, if, if, you know, Public Works and all those departments reviewing it could make some suggestions about the modifications that we would like to see in the permits um, and, and have those presented so that that can be the next step in the conversation. What are we really asking AT&T to do? Um, how would we like to see them um, uh, alter their permits so that we can move forward efficiently. If that can be done in the next, let's say, week, then that gives them a clear understanding of what we would like to see. Um, and again, I do think your your um, suspicion about people coming home who are not AT&T customers and all of a sudden they find these things on their lawn, I will bet 100% uh, of, of my intuition as a council person that I'm going to get calls. They're going to say I'm not an AT&T customer. So, again, that's something we have to navigate if we can at least make those suggestions on modifications to the permits. And then let's have the second round of discussion. Some of those things we may have to let go of. Uh, some you all may have to maybe uh, modify and, and help meet in the middle. So I appreciate the conversation. Okay. Anybody else? I think that's it from up here again. Thank you all. Any closing statement from AT&T? I'll just say out of respect to Mr. Dews, uh, his department, Mr. Drews, I'm sorry, Councilwoman Van Franken, uh, I understand you say you want to wait a week, uh, but we waited six months. Um, we waited patiently. Um, we made the investment. Uh, I provided neighborhoods for the administration to go look at, uh, mm. to see what we're doing. Uh, to say, hey, does this meet your approval? Um, and so we've not gotten any feedback. Uh, again, we've waited six months, an additional week. I just don't know, you know, what we're going to see and receive within another six uh, within another week. Um, but again, you know, the pedestals for the new bill, they're gone. We made the modification. You know, as far as decommissioning copper network, that's not a discussion that I can have, ATT can have in a vacuum with the leaders of Jefferson Parish. I can understand where you're coming from, but those are not decisions that 
even together we can we can make without bringing in the FCC, the Public Service Commission. Um, and, and, and again, we are more than willing to, to, to have discussions with any service provider that wants to lease and partner with us, you know, for a wholesale type solution. So I'll close with that and thank you for your time. Thank you all. And, uh, you know, we th consider this your, your feedback officially from us today. Uh, this is our first chance to venture into the conversation. So um, there's nothing that we could do at this meeting anyway to move anything forward. There's nothing on the agenda pertaining to this specifically. So it has to at least wait a little while longer. But we appreciate your understanding. I know it's been a little while, but um, we want to do the right thing. Thank you. Thank you. All right. One more. Cox is here. With a quick update, I just said quick, but take whatever time you need. I'll be very brief. As long as Good it's quick. morning, President Chang, Chairman Walker, members of the council. I'm Aaron the Monroe Wesley, representing Cox Communications. We appreciate the opportunity to come back before the council to provide an update on our storm restoration efforts. When we came before the council about three weeks ago, we were actively working. Testing. Oh, there we go. Complete major repairs in Metairie and Kenner, and we're within days of meeting our estimated times of restoration. At that time, our crews had also identified extensive network damage and extended recovery times for Avondale and Wagaman on the West Bank and Harahan and River Ridge on the East Bank, as well as Lafitte and Lower Jefferson Parish. As we have navigated through our storm recovery journey, we have stayed true to our best practice of maximizing our recovery efforts by completing repairs that result in restoring services to large amounts of customers. Our recovery ecosystem affords us the opportunity to impact hundreds of customers at a time by performing repair work at the node level. Nodes are the physical devices attached to our network that service hundreds of customer homes and businesses. Once our major network repairs are complete at that node level, we are then able to turn our attention to individual customer homes or businesses that are still experiencing an outage. We have completed over 10,000 individual line restorations to date in our greater New Orleans service area. These are lines that deliver customer signals from neighborhood nodes to single homes or business customers. Today, I'm happy to report that our crews have completed all major repairs to our network in Jefferson Parish. We are continuing to perform individual line restoration work in the area. If we take a closer look at our overall restoration rate, looking down at the city level, we know that in Gretna, for example, we have 97% of customers restored. In Metairie, that number is 96%. For Harvey and River Ridge, we're at 95%, for example. Harahan, we have 94% of customers restored. Bridge City, 93%. Kenner, 92%. Wagaman, 82%. And Lafitte, 44%. At your last meeting, we reported that 76% of our Cox customers in Jefferson Parish were online. Today, our restoration has improved to 95% of customers that have been restored in Jefferson Parish. This is significant progress when we think about the fact that this Category 4 storm caused 98% of Cox customers to be offline in Jefferson Parish at the peak of the storm. 
We know that our restoration journey is not over. We continue to work hard to restore services to that 5% of customers who remain offline in Jefferson Parish. What we want our customers and your constituents to know is that our Cox crews remain dedicated to restoring services to customers as fast as we can. I would like to thank our construction crews, our field teams for their tireless service, along with the countless number of employees that work behind the scenes to ensure that we restore services as quickly as possible. Um, thank you for the opportunity to provide a brief update. I'll be happy to answer any questions you may have at this time. I think you're off the hook today. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, if y'all don't mind, we'll take a quick five-minute break before we start the meeting, mostly because I have to stretch my legs and I haven't been able to get up. <clears throat> five minutes. <laughs>
Shoot me in a second. If not, I'll go hunt it down. Tell her, cut it short. <laughs> no. And I am not. I was dozing off. There's you. All right, we'll get started now. Ms. Eula is back and we can start. If everybody can grab a seat. Good morning, everybody. This is the Jefferson Parish Council meeting, Wednesday, October 6th. We're in the General Government Building, 200 Durbany Street in Gretna, Louisiana. The meeting is now called to order. Thank you for being here. Before we get to our invocation today, uh, Councilwoman Van Vranken uh, would like a moment of silence for a local coach who passed away. Hang on. Here we go. Um, I just wanted to ask that we um, have a moment of silence for a really outstanding person in our community who we lost um, September 26. He's not only a retired Jefferson Parish fireman, but also uh, was a coach at Cleary Playground. So again, contributed to Jefferson Parish, John Evans uh, III. Again, we um, we just want to keep his family, uh, both his his um, you know his biological family and his family at Cleary Playground, where he was so beloved. We want to keep John Evans um, in our thoughts and prayers. <laughs> Thank you, Madam President. If you'd introduce your guest, who will lead the invocation today. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, my guest today is Reverend Kathy Racky, who you all know. Um, she has been no stranger to, to Jefferson Parish. Um, Reverend Racky oversees the religious programming at the Jefferson Parish Correctional Center. Um, she run, she's also runs the Jefferson Parish Sheriff's Law Enforcement Chaplain Program, and she also works at Rivard Juvenile Detention Center. She and her husband... Um, uh, Robert, Pastor Robert's story, Run the River Church, which launched in 2016. And I just want to thank them recently for um, connecting the parish with Convoy of Hope, which was a disaster relief ministry, um, which we were able to, um, they, they donated much to our community for Hurricane Ida, as well as River Church, their church, um, that was involved in the distribution of tarps and cleaning supplies and, and throughout the West Bank community, diapers and all of those ready to eat food. Um, since the storm, the JPSO Chaplains Program has sent chaplains to multiple issues, of, cor of course, having to deal with death and over overdose and suicide scenes. Um, and they have been active in Lafitte as well, praying with those people who have, who have lost um, their homes. So we want to thank her for that. I also want to um, acknowledge someone that I did not personally know, but I believe Rev Reverend uh, Racky knew, which was another loss we had in the, uh, with Pastor um, Jimmy Autry. Um, Pastor Archery was a member of the Cornerstone Christian Center in Marrero, and um, Pastor um, Autry was very involved in cleaning up Lafitte and doing, you know, donations and um, uh, was recently on top of roofs doing that, and I, I believe he died of a sudden heart attack. So I think um, Reverend Rack is going to talk about um, Pastor Autry as well, but we want to thank him and his um, 
the family and, and keep the family in mind with that loss and knowing that that um, pastor worked until his very last day serving our community. We're very, very grateful for that. So with that, Reverend Racky. Yes, I want to take a moment of remembrance for Chaplain and Pastor Jimmy Autry. Jimmy pastored 50 years in Jefferson Parish in West Wego and Marrero. He built Cornerstone Christian Center and was one of our original JPSO chaplains. He was also a prison chaplain at JPCC. Uh, he served in our chaplain's prison ministry for 12 years. And anytime SWAT needed a chaplain, Jimmy was the one called out. He had such a calming presence. After the storm, Jimmy helped people by tarping houses at the age of 70 years old, helping them clean out their homes, riding with deputies in our third district, and offering encouraging words to our officers. In the last three days of his life, he preached at his church, tarped houses on Monday in Lafitte, performed a funeral on Tuesday morning, and visited a COVID patient in a Slidell hospital and died on his return home that evening. Jimmy rode with the JPSO the week before he died, and his son Rusty, who's the owner of Olive Branch Cafe, fed the JPSO 3rd District deputies for a full week because of so many restaurants being closed in the evening. He will be sadly missed by our community and by our JPSO family. We'll pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray your blessings upon each one gathered here today. We pray your divine wisdom on our parish president and our parish council members as they work to make decisions for the betterment of our community. We pray for our businesses to thrive, our churches to grow, that the Jefferson Parish will prosper in all areas. Lord, you see we're in difficult times. You said look to you for guidance today and direction, for calm in the midst of life's uncertainties. We pray for those families and businesses impacted by Hurricane Ida, for you are our help in times of trouble, and we humbly thank you for sparing so many who were in the path of this storm. We pray for those still recovering from its impact. You said, call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will answer. We pray for those still battling COVID, your healing touch, and for those who've lost loved ones from this disease, your strength and your comfort. We pray for all our first responders, all those on the front lines who lay down their lives daily to protect and serve our community. Keep them safe and give them wisdom. For your word says in James chapter 1, verse 5, that if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all in abundance. And as Joshua told the children of Israel, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Let that be our prayer today, that your presence will be with us here in Jefferson Parish. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If I get Chief Don Robertson to come lead us in the pledge today, it's a big day for Chief Robertson. You'll find out why shortly. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you both.
Madam President, can you please call the roll? I'm sorry. I can. <laughs> she could if she wants to, but Madam, Madam Clerk, please call the roll. <laughs> Just throwing you a curveball today. Madam Clerk, please call the roll. Present. Oops. Councilman Template. Present. Councilman Edwards. Here. Councilman Bonanno. Here. Councilman Lee. Here. Councilman Impostato. Present. Councilwoman Van Rankin. Present. Parish President Ms. Lee Shang. Present. And I've completed the roll. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Madam President, the floor is yours. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, Council Members. Um, we had good news. I'll start off with our IDA updates. We had good news with an announcement by um, the state of Louisiana through the Governor's Office of Homeland Security to launch the Hurricane Ida sheltering program, which will provide temporary housing to certain residents. Um, for Jefferson Parish, only um, those residents outside the levy protection system have been approved for this program. Essentially, this is FEMA allowing the state to do what they call a bridge program, uh, knowing that FEMA trailers are going to take some time, so they're allowing the state to um, contract and get trailers and push it out. Hopefully, this will be at a much quicker rate. And again, um, only citizens in Lafitte, Lower Lafitte, Barataria, Crown Point, and Grand Isle have um, qualified to be part of this program, so we want to make sure people get the word out. Um, you already have to be registered with FEMA. Uh, and you need to go register separately for this program. So we want everybody in those areas to um, who need shelter, meaning a trailer or a recreational vehicle or even, you know, uh, it could be many things. It could be a, a barge. It, it, it covers many types of housing. But to register at www.idashelteringla.com or calling 844-268-0301 of note. You also have to be registered with FEMA already. They will probably ask you for your FEMA number, so make sure that registration is done first. Um, we started Jefferson Parish for the first time in modern history having to uh, set up shelters post-storm. Um, we, we had three shelters at some time going to, um, to serving over 230 people for Hurricane Ida. As of this week, we are down to one shelter with approximately 50 people, and we're actively working with housing partners to move people into temporary housing over the next few days. So um, Sarah Babcock and our emergency operations staff have really been on the front lines of this, but they would also like to thank our partners, Red Cross, Louisiana Housing Corporation, Unity, FEMA, as well as our own Office of Community Development, who have played uh, a role in protecting these people and also getting these people placed onto um, their next location. Want to make sure FEMA, people know that survivor assistance, um, people need to register for FEMA, 1-800-621-3362, or go to www.disasterassistance.gov uh, to apply for available assistance. We also, FEMA also has um, personnel at the Jefferson Parish Health Unit in Marrero or our Lafitte Senior Center daily from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. if you need to speak directly to someone. Uh, I got the numbers for the Blue Roof Program, just an update on there. This is um, run by the Corps of Engineers, but in Jefferson Parish there was over 10,000 people that registered for this program, and of note they have um, assessed 92% um, of those already, so that's 9,226 assess assessments, and actually installed um, over 55% of the roofs. So the installations are 5,488, so they move forward on that. 
DSNAP helps provide people with groceries. There has been an extension for Jefferson Parish residents to apply. We want to make sure everybody knows that. Um, please look to the website www.dcfs.la.gov uh, for those applications, and that's going to run from October 11th to October 13th. Uh, Timmy Gotro is is um, helping in Grand Isle. He is stationed down there, helping to lead with with uh, the mayor and the council in Grand Isle the the rebuilding efforts. Uh, we are seeing progress on a daily basis, but obviously there is a still very long road to recovery. The energy generation plan successfully energized, and it was wonderful to see a couple of the residents actually get power on Monday night. Um, as of Monday, energy reset over a thousand new poles. Uh, and as of yesterday, one one half of the island um, has been restored with return uh, with um, regards to gas, the gas supply. We still have a do not drink order in place. Our water department is working very hard um, to repair the pipeline that leads the does the water supply from Grand Isle from Lafitte. Um, and, um, but we're still barging in water um, until that happens. So please, everybody knows that there is still a do not drink order that is still in place for Grand Isle. Uh, update for Lafitte, major, the majority of ditches have been carved out of all the mud. Um, the vacuum trucks are working to unclog the drain pipes on the Barataria side as well as the um, Lafitte, lower Lafitte and Crown Point area. Uh, canal levels are back to normal, and obviously our drainage crews are working very feverishly. We do expect the new um, the new temporary bridge, which is located where the original swing bridge is, to be open in a couple weeks. So that will be um, a welcome milestone to achieve because traffic will be able to go both ways at the same time. And then other public highlights from Ida. Obviously, we have normal sewer operations on the east and west bank. All of our traffic signals are, are fully operational. Um, waste Connections in River Birch report that they are running on schedule with their garbage collections. Four additional boom trucks from an outside uh, market will continue to collect the mixed piles. Um, the estimated return date for curbside recycling is November 1st. And then you got the DRC report, um, obviously, that just happened um, before we started the meeting. So want to make sure everybody knows that our public information office has put up a new banner since Ida, the Ida recovery banner on jeffparish.net. So click there for easy links to get to all of your recovery needs and other departments and other agencies. Our Jefferson Parish um, Protection and Animal Welfare Society Services, which we call JPAWS, uh, received a $10,000 unrestricted emergency relief grant from PetSmart Charities. Uh, we want to thank all of our employees um, that helped during that time. Um, and so we want to also thank our PetSmart charities for that donation. We will certainly use this grant to offset many of the costs that we occurred um, during, during the uh, IDA event. And then in terms of COVID updates, we cannot forget that COVID is still in our midst. We're seeing an average of 55 cases per day. Uh, average of three deaths per day. Our hospitalizations are similar to those that we were seeing in late July. Um, our current numbers indicate that we're still coming out of the fourth surge caused by Delta, but we are in certainly a much, much better place. Um, the mass mandate is still in effect through the end of October. I think it's October 26th or 27th was the last governor's order on that. Uh, we continue to offer free testing and vaccinations. So testing is available at Delta. Playground, Bright Playground, and Bonneville Boat Launch every Monday through Friday from 9 to 4, and Saturday and Sunday from 8 to 4, and at the Alario Center every Monday through Friday from 8 to 4, and Saturday from 8 to 2. Vaccines are available, including the Pfizer boosters. 
um, at Lakeside Mall, Oakwood Mall, and the Alario Center. And we participate in the state's Shot for 100 program. So anyone who gets their first shot at the Alario Center can also get a $100 gift card. So just as a reminder regarding the booster shots, Pfizer, the Pfizer booster is the only one that has been approved so far for anyone over 65 years of age, anyone between 50 to 64 years of age with a medical condition, and also those professions that have an increased risk of exposure just because of the job they do, whether it's healthcare, schools, correctional cities, um, correctional facilities, first responders, food industry, transit workers, grocery stores workers are just some of the examples of that. Um, so due to Ida, the, the Secretary of State and the Governor moved our scheduled elections from October 9th to November 13th, and then, um, and then the November 13th election, which would be the runoff to December 11th. So uh, early voting for that period of time um, for the November 13th election is October 30th to November 6th, and early voting for the December 11th election is November 27th to December 4th. We have some very important renewals on the December 11th ballot. Um, Jefferson Parish has a special services district. Um, this is one mil to judicial services, a half mil to cultural and park and facilities programs, and another half mil to economic and planning assistance to business enterprises, and a half mil to programs for the elderly. And other items on the December ballot also include the Grand Isle Road Lighting District Number 7, the Grand Isle Ambulance Service District, and the new Old Metairie Security Enhancement District. So our Public Inform Information Office is putting together a public information campaign, so look forward to that, and we will start getting the word out about these millage renewals that are coming up. This week is National Fire Pre Prevention Week, uh, which emphasizes the importance of fire safety. Uh, this year's topic is Hear a Beat. Hear a beep, get on your feet to check the smoke detectors and carbon monoxide detectors. So every now and then you're at home and you hear that beep and you want to ignore it because it's just not coming at a convenient time for you, do not ignore that. Uh, that means one of your systems needs, um, needs some attention. So please make sure that is the, the theme for this year's, um, this year's um, Fire Prevention Week. Our public information office produced a video with Chief Tibbetts from our East Bank Consolidated Fire um, Department to help spread the word about this important topic. And now I'd like to introduce uh, Mr. Brian Adams and Chief Don Robertson. Brian Adams will be our new Chief Administrative Assistant over our Internal Services Program, which includes General Services, Human Resources, IT, Risk Management, Security, and Fleet Management. Uh, as many of you know, Mr. Adams has been a state representative. He received many awards during his public service at that time. His other previous roles includes um, being appointed by the Governor to work with the Louisiana Office of alcohol, tobacco, and also he served as the Deputy Chief Louisiana State Fire Marshal. Uh, he was also the Executive Director of the Louisiana Seafood Promotion and Marketing Board. Um, and prior to serving as our Director of Fire Services, up until now, he was also a volunteer fireman, a paid fireman, and a fire chief for a total of over 40 years. Um, so if um, with um, Mr. Adams' promotion to our Chief Administrative Assistant, that leaves that position vacant, and we're asking that you approve Chief Don Robertson, you were voting on that today, to be the new Director of Fire Services. Don Robertson was most recently the Fire Chief of Marrero Harvey Fire Department, he joined the fire services as a volunteer with Marrero Harvey in November of 1973 and became fire chief in 1999. So he has 22 years of experience as a fire chief. He is well qualified to take this position. Um, and he will take over um, 
um, Brian's role, if you approve this, um, overseeing the West Bank Volunteer Fire Services, as well as the 3rd District Volunteer Fire Department on the East Bank, the Fire Training Academy, as well as our Hazardous Materials Response Unit. So I would like to point them out. Um, if Brian Adams and Chief Robertson could wave to everybody, that's them. So thank you very much. Thank you, Madam President, and congratulations to you both. Uh, any comments from the dais? Yes, Councilman Banana. I would move that we take item 75 out of order to appoint Mr. Uh, Robertson. All right, we'll get to that in just a moment. We'll do public comment first, and then we won't make uh, Chief Robertson hang around much longer. I'm sure he has other things to do today. Councilwoman Ben Franken. Wanted to um, follow up. The parish president was talking about our continued recovery efforts from Ida, and I appreciate the progress that we're making is tremendous. Um, I think we're, we're all very proud of that. I did notice last night when I was riding around going to different night out against crime parties, there was a large stretch of causeway and a large stretch of airline where the lighting is off. So again, at the appropriate time, if our street lighting division maybe can schedule some um, personnel to ride around at night on our major corridors to see what lights may be out from the storm. I know we have to prioritize everything, but um, that was something I noticed last night. And I will ask Mark, I'm guessing that is state roadway. Is Mark Drews here? Um, that might be, but we would have to communicate communicate that and just um, press the state on that. So. Yeah, and those, those particular lights were back. Okay. They were back and then they went away. They were on and then they weren't. Yeah. I mean, you said Causeway and Airline. Causeway um, near the overpass as you approach, let's say, Lakeside Shopping Center, and then there's a large stretch of Airline um, as you near the parish line that was, that was dark last night. Yeah, we'll check it out. Causeway's a, a, a mismatch. Uh, over the I-10 to, I think it might be 22nd Street is the state, then we pick up the bridge, so, you know, and then south of Airline right away is theirs, and from south Airline right away to the I-10 is ours, but we'll check on ours and make sure, and if we see theirs is off, we'll, we'll, we'll alert them accordingly. Airline, again, the decorative lights are ours, so we will we will check on those and, and, you know, we'll get your status report of what the issues are because more than likely we have some issues. It was the decorative lighting that, yeah. that was out on airline. So, um, and one other point of uh, just clarification, I know at our last meeting we were talking about how um, we were very thankful, very fortunate that our levy system held and, and offered us, of course, great protection in Ida. Um, we made a statement in the discussion that there was no structural flooding um, in Ida within the levy system. I had a few residents call and say we had flooding in our home and not from the roof down but from the street up. Um, we did have some structural flooding in parts of Metairie where the water did rise and so I just wanted for clarification um, to, to acknowledge those residents that had that flooding to their homes um, and to also say that we're setting up a meeting with the administration, with Public Works, with some of the council members, um, Councilman Walker, Councilman Bonanno, whose area um, depends on Station 6 and, and the pumping station at the 17th Street Canal. So to acknowledge that structural flooding and that we will work to um, figure out what the best improvements for the future might be to prevent that from occurring again. Yes, that's correct. And look, at the time when that statement was made, we were not aware of any structural flood, which I know you became aware of after that statement was made, and so did we. Uh, and it was partially related to the issues with uh, pump station number six that's, you know, run by the sewage and water board. 
and by the way, for one other point, not to belabor it, but the Sewerage and Water Board, to their credit, they were communicating with us the night of the storm. I know um, Councilman Jeruso, my counterpart in, in New Orleans, uh, was calling, conveying information about what was happening in terms of pumping and in terms of um, power supply or lack thereof uh, the night as Ida was passing. So again, we appreciate that communication um, and we've got some improvements to make in the future. And yes, Mitch will verify that that was the case. And unfortunately, damn and for us, there was very little you can do during, because that actually the issues happened during the height of the storm. And there's very, very little that you can do to respond. You know, we can't even send personnel out at that time. Thank you. Anyone else? All right. Thank you, Mr. Drews. Thank you, Madam President. Anyone who would like to speak on resolutions on the agenda or addendum agenda can do so now. You must fill out a request to speak card in the back of chambers. First and last name as well as address. For the record, you have three minutes to address your issue. John Frankie Hires, 509 Home Boulevard. Got, uh, I think, like 16 of these to address. Item number one, uh, regarding the property tax hearing that's going to happen, I, I take great issue with the disparity in all these districts and areas that are given exemptions. And I realize it's not the purveyance of the council with regards to the assessors, so I don't know what, what y'all are going to do about this, but it is concerning to me that we have so many areas that uh, don't pay the full full rate of taxation from municipalities, which are reduced to 75 We will have a special meeting on the 21st. If you'd like to come back then and address it, he'll, the assessor will be here for that meeting. I thought they'll have one tomorrow. No, it's next Thursday. Uh, it's Thursday the 21st, I'm sorry. And so item number 10, uh, I don't know what offenses against the public administration are being uh, uh, amended. Item number 12 and 13, again, we're going to amend the operating budget and the capital budget. I wonder if we have one because we do this every single month. So I think we don't have an operating budget. I don't think we have a capital budget. I think we have operating estimates and capital estimates because otherwise we wouldn't have to amend that every month. Next, the, in regards to this, uh, to our property tax, you know, we're in item number 22, we're going to adopt part of Kenner with regards to their water services, right? I'm, I'm guessing that's what that is with subdivision on the Lake Cleveland Estates. Um, one thing I do want to say firstly is thank God there we're not hiring another engineering or architectural firm, so I don't have to say nothing about that. I think we might have hired them all because Mr. Tim. Tommy last month told me there's only 30 or 35. I'm, in behalf of uh, Mr. Al Morello, who apparently is not with us again, uh, I'm questioning the change order, item number 32, and item number 30, 33, which provides for 477 more calendar days for lighting on, on Earhart, 477 days. So that means a year and a, <laughs> a year and several months from now we're going to think about that being done. That seems a, a little absurd to me. I'm number 51. Uh, I'm actually in favor of the parish taking over the transit uh, needs for Kenner because I don't think that uh, two masters running one transit system getting me from here to maybe the Social Security office over there in Kenner, I can walk there as fast. You know how embarrassing it is to show my friends that live on the West Coast that I can walk to Kenner faster than I can get a bus? Please, take that over. Do that. I'm number 60. Uh, why? You know, why are we paying for TV for the Emergency Operations Center? Why shouldn't Cox provide that period? And does everybody want to see themselves reporting more during the emergency? Is that the deal? $15,000 so that for the next three years, the Emergency Operations Office can have television. 
that seems absurd. So, item number 62, 10 25 grand, that's 8000 a month to provide for cultural, social, and educational initiatives at the JPAWS. I live right up the street. I see no benefit for that. 64. Thank you, Mr. Ayers. Thank you. Um, I'll address the uh, budget issue with you quickly because you brought up the operating and capital budget twice the past couple of meetings. If we didn't amend the budget, nothing would get done. Money has to be moved from account to account and things have to be shifted around. So the budget's always been amended, always will be amended because it has to be for, for work to happen in the parish, for money to be appropriated to different places. And if, if uh, anybody took notes on the other items, somebody will meet you in the lobby to discuss your other concerns. Yes, ma'am, name and record for the, uh, name and address for the record, please. My name is Elizabeth Glass. Um, just my name. Address, name and address. 509 Homa Boulevard, Metter, Louisiana. I'm a, first of all, I'm a kindergarten teacher. I just want to make that um, known. Um, and I spent the last, the first nine days after Ida in a tent in my front yard, watching parish trucks drive by. I got to know them all and waved. They're all very nice people. Ma'am, I don't want to interrupt you now, but this is for items on the agenda right now? I thought right it was now. off the agenda. That's at the end of the meeting. Okay, I'm sorry. Well, then um, I don't have a clue. That won't, be, that won't be too long from now, but do you have any concerns for items on the agenda or the addendum agenda? Um, well, if I had more time to get to them, since I don't have enough time to get to them ever because I am a teacher and I have to call in late or make a lie up. To I understand. So but that's another thing on the offer on. I need, we need more meetings. Okay. Uh, but the, the comment for things off the agenda will be at the end of the meeting. Thank you. Is there anybody else who would like to speak on items on the agenda or addendum agenda? Okay. I'll do it right after we do this next thing. Uh, next, we uh, had Councilman Banano request that we take item number 75 out of order. Is there any objection to taking that item out of order on the motion of Councilman Banano, seconded by Councilman Walker? Hearing none, so ordered. Madam Clerk, can you please read item 75? A resolution approving the appointment of Mr. Don Robertson to the position of Director of Fire Services. Councilman Banano? Any objections to the adoption of that resolution? A motion of Councilman Bonanno, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. And Councilman Bonanno has a piece of paper for you. Chief Robertson, if you'd like to come on down. Chief Robertson, if, if you would be joined, if, I'm sorry, if the following individuals would join me. As the parish president said, this is Fire Prevention Week. Unfortunately, we're all in our zest to respond to uh, Hurricane Ida. We all kind of forgot that fact. So I'd like to be joined today by Chief Whitmer from the Terrytown Fire Department. Chief Mike Ortiz from the Avondale Fire Department, uh, Mike Muller, who's an inspector with the Harvey Fire Department, Inspector Clarence Lambert with the Third District Fire Department, and Chief Dave Dippitz with the East Bank Consolidated Fire Department. Y'all would all come join us, please. As Madam Parish President said, the purpose of this week is to remind everyone of the importance of having working smoke alarm detectors in your house. And as we all found tragically during Katrina and during Ida, smoking, I mean, I'm sorry, working carbon monoxide detectors. You know, every, it seems like every time we have a hurricane, we lose power. Tragically, someone loses their life because they place a, gener a generator in the wrong place. And if you had working uh, mon carbon mon monoxide detectors, those alarms would go off and alert you to that fact. So on behalf of uh, Fire Prevention Week, I'm going to read this proclamation for all our fire departments. 
where since 1922, the National Fire Protection Association has sponsored the public observance of Fire Prevention Week on the week of October 9th. Whereas Fire Prevention Week, during Fire Prevention Week, children, adults, and teachers learn how to stay safe in the case of a fire, and firefighters provide life-saving public education. Whereas the parish of Jefferson is committed to ensuring the safety and security of all those living in and visiting our parish, and whereas fire is a serious public safety concern both locally and nationally, and homes are in the locations where people are at greatest risk from fire. Whereas home fires killed more than 2,700 people in the United States last year, and that the fire departments in the United States responded to over 339,500 home fires last year. And where smoke alarms sent smoke well before you can do so and alerting you to the danger in the event of a fire, which may have as little as two minutes to escape safely. And whereas working smoke alarms cut the risk of dying in reported home fires in half. And whereas Jefferson Parish residents should be sure everyone in the home understands the sounds of the alarms and knows how to respond. And whereas families who have a planned and practiced home fire escape plan are more prepared and will therefore be more likely to survive a home fire. And whereas Jefferson Parish's first responders are dedicated to reducing the occurrence of home fires and home fire injuries throughout, through fire prevention and prevention education. And whereas the 2022, fire, sorry, 2021 Fire Prevention Week theme, Learn the Sounds of Fire Safety, effectively serves to remind us of the importance to learning the different sounds of smoke and carbon monoxide detectors. And whereas this council hereby declares October 3rd through the 9th, 2021, is Fire Prevention Week throughout Jefferson Parish. And I'd like all the council to come down and take a picture with our fire firemen. Madam President, would you join us as well? Chief Adams. We did this for Don, not you. Everybody in here? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mike, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you, Councilman Bonanno. Uh, items one and two will be um, deferred with amendments, and these are the board of review items that will be part of the special meeting on October 21st. Madam Clerk, can you please read item number one with the amendment? That in accordance with advertised the local newspapers and Louisiana statutes pertaining thereto, the Jefferson Parish Council does this day now sit as a board of review of the assessment values of property in the parish of Jefferson for the year, and it's the year that needed to be corrected. It should be 2021 and shall conduct a public hearing. Councilman Template, your motion on the amendment? I move. Any objection to the adoption of the resolution as amended? A motion of Councilman Template, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. So now is there any objection to the deferral of that resolution and as amended on motion of Councilman Template, seconded by Councilman Walker? Hearing none, so ordered. Item number two, please, with amendments. 
a resolution of the Jefferson Parish Council of Jefferson Parish, Louisiana, acting as governing authority of said parish and sitting as a board of review of tax assessments in Jefferson Parish. And the amendments are all in Section 1. And 1, T-Mobile appeals have been withdrawn. 2, the property company incorporated has filed appeals and Pivotal Tax Solutions has filed appeals. Uh, Councilman Templet, your motion on the amendment? I move. Any objection to the adoption of that resolution as amended? A motion of Councilman Templet, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Now, is there any objection to the deferral of that resolution as amended? A motion of Councilman Templet, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Uh, we have one item to get to in executive session, which we'll pop back to in about 20 minutes at noon. Shouldn't take us very long. And then we'll come back and roll through everything else. Uh, before we move forward, I want to recognize Lafitte Mayor Tim Kerner, who is here with us this morning. Appreciate all the work you've been doing in Lafitte since Hurricane Ida. And I know you don't want to speak today, but when we get to the point where we're uh, talking about something relating to Lafitte, we'd like you to come up and just say a couple of words, because I know you've been under a lot of pressure and you've dealt with a lot in Lafitte, and we're happy to have you here with us this morning. Item number four, please, Matt. Uh, wait a minute. Let's skip number three. That's the executive. Hang on a second. Sorry about that. I'm sorry. That's executive session. I skipped it intentionally. Item number four, please. Summary number 25730, resub lots 10 and 11, square 8, Woodland Acres subdivision, ES 8621, deferred from 91521, Council District 2. We can waive the reading on this item, and now we open the public hearing for summary number 25730. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. Madam Clerk, note that no one has appeared. Councilman Bonanno. Any objection to the approval of summary number 25730 and motion of Councilman Bonanno, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Madam Clerk, number five, with an amendment, please. Um, we don't have... No, not... This six has the, number six has the amendment. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. My misnotation. Go ahead. Number five, please. Summary number 25754, resub lots AV3A, AV4A, and an undesignated lot, Fairfield Plantation, WS7521, Council District 2. We can waive the reading on this item as well, so we open the public hearing for summary number 25754. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. Jay Dufran speaking on behalf of Marara Land. This is the property on the corner of 18 and 541 on the Avondale Marine side of the highways. Uh, we're just rearranging the lots for the continu continued development of that area, and we just ask for your approval. Thank you. Anyone else in favor or opposition? Madam Clerk, note that one appeared in favor. Councilman Bonanno? Move for approval. Any objections to the approval of summary number 25754, a motion of Councilman Bonanno, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Number six with amendments, please. Summary number 25755, resub lots 4 through 24, and part of lots 2 and 3, square 1, lots 6 through 23, and part of lots 1 through 5, square 2, lots 1 through 7, square 3, lots 1 through 22, square 4, lots 7 through 22, square 5, lots 4 through 23, square 6, lots 1 through 22, square 7, lots 1 through 22, square 8, Lots 11 through 18, square 9, and a 50-foot reserve strip in parts of the 6th, 7th, 8th, and 9th streets and part of Cherie Street, Fairfield Plantation Subdivision, and lots 1 through 23, 
square 14, lots 1 through 22, square 16, lots 1 through 23, square 17, lots 1 through 23, square 18, lots 1 through 22, square 19, lots 1 through 22, square 20, lots 1 through 23, square 21, lots 1 through 12, square 22, lots 1 through 20, square 23, lots 4 through 15, square 24, and part of 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th streets, and part of Cherie Street, Fairfield, Plantation Subdivision, extended in undesignated portions of Fairfield Plantation, Council District 2, and I defer to uh, Ms. Uh, Bess. She'll uh, give you the amendments. Okay. Yes, sir. The amendments are as follows. Um, adding language to section one to show that the revoked portions of streets are no longer needed for public purpose. To add a new section two, which reads as follows, that dedication of the drainage servitudes in accordance with said plan is predicated upon the agreement of Marrero Land uh, and Improvement Association in Jefferson Parish as to compensation. And that should an agreement not be made, the dedication of the drainage servitude shall automatically be revoked um, and to renumber section three and section four. All right, we can waive the reading on this item. Is there any objection to those amendments being brought from the floor? Hearing none, Councilman Bonanno, your motion on the amendments? Uh, I get someone who wants to speak, Mr. Chairman. Do you wish to speak? No? Okay. I just want to mention real briefly before I move on this item, this is a part of the overall effort of what we call the West Bank Task Force to try to reinvigorate the economy in and around Avondale Shipyard, and this is a big step in that direction, and I want to thank the planning department for working so diligently on that. This is going to take this area and make it compatible with the future development of Avondale Shipyard and hopefully attract new industries to this area. And with that, I move for approval. Any objections to the adoption of those amendments? A motion of Councilman Bonanno, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. So now we open the public hearing for summary number 25755 as amended. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. Jay Dufran speaking on behalf of Marrero Land. This is a 237 acres in that area. Uh, the large number of lots that you read are, go back to 1950s and 60s, resubdivision. These are 50 by 125 foot lots that have never been developed. So the purpose of the resubdivision is to combine that into some larger tracts that can be developed for what's going on in the area, and we ask for your approval. Anyone else in favor or opposition? Madam Clerk, note that one appeared in favor. Councilman Bonanno, your motion. Approve. Any objections to the approval of summary number 25755 on, as amended on motion of Councilman Bonanno, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Item number seven, with an amendment here, Madam Clerk? No amendment. No amendment. Item number seven. Summary number 25756, amending the official zoning map, various lots and squares, Fairfield, Plantation Subdivision in Fairfield, Plantation Subdivision Extended, Proposed Fairfield Business Park and Undesignated Portions of Fairfield, Plantation Proposed Fairfield Business Park from R1A, C2, and M1 to C2, M1, and M2, WZ721, Council District 2. We can waive the reading, so we open the public hearing now for summary number 25756. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. Madam Clerk, no one has appeared. Councilman Bonanno? Move for approval. Any objections to the approval of summary number 25756 on motion of Councilman Bonanno, seconded by Councilman Walker? Hearing none, so ordered. Item number eight, please. 
Summary number 25767, amending ordinance number 26033, granting a non-exclusive franchise agreement to Bell South Telecommunications Incorporated doing business as AT&T, Louisiana, to construct, maintain, and operate its U-verse video service in connection with an integrated internet protocol enabled broadband platform of voice data and video services within the public rights of way of unincorporated Jefferson Parish as provided in and governed by chapter 35.5 of the code of the parish of Jefferson and permitting procedures of the parish of Jefferson to change the expiration of the agreement from November 30, 2021 to May 31, 2022. We're now up to the public hearing for summary number 25767. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. Madam Clerk, note that no one has appeared. Councilman Template? I move. Any objection to the approval of summary number 25767 on motion of Councilman Template, seconded by Councilman Walker? Hearing none, so ordered. Item number nine, please. Summary number 25768, amend the code, ch chapter six, amusements and entertainment, article five, carnival, Mardi Gras, and other parades, division four, parade regulations, section six dash 84, generally. We now have the public hearing for summary number 25768. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. Madam Clerk, no one has appeared. Councilman Template? I move. Any objections to the approval of summary number 25768 on motion of Councilman Template, seconded by Councilman Walker? Hearing none, so ordered. Item number 10, please. Summary number 25769, amend the code, chapter 20, offenses and miscellaneous provisions, article 2, offenses against public administration, section 20-23, generally. Now in the public hearing for summary number 25769, anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. Madam Clerk, note that no one has appeared. Councilman Template? I move. Any objections to the approval of summary number 25769 on motion of Councilman Template, seconded by Councilman Walker? Hearing none, so ordered. Item number 11, please. Summary number 25770, temporarily waiving permit fees. If permit was necessitated by damages from Hurricane Ida and otherwise providing with respect thereto. Public hearing is now open for summary number 25770. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. 509 Homa, I rise in favor. Do this. Anyone else in favor or opposition? Madam Clerk, note that one appeared in favor. Councilman Template? I move. Any objections to the approval of summary number 25770 on motion of Councilman Template, seconded by Councilman Walker? Hearing none, so ordered. Item number 12 with amendments, please, Madam Clerk. Summary number 25771, amending the 2021 operating budget. And the amendments are allocate $1,500 from Council District 3's video poker fund to First Tee Greater New Orleans for a CEA to provide its First Tee golf program to the youth of Jefferson Parish. Allocate $60,000 from Council District 3's West Bank Riverboat Gaming Funds to Parkway's account number 44560. 4008-7454-45629.126 for the purchase and installation of holiday lights in unincorporated areas of Council District 3. Allocate an additional $300 from Council District 2's East Bank Tourism Fund to 
account number of 44560-4008-7454-45629.125 for a new sign and landscaping for Dodge Avenue at Jefferson Highway. Allocate $784 from Council District 2's office supply account number 10010-0010-302-7210 to the Parish Attorney's Office professional service account number 10010-0021733 to pay for abstracting services of an adjudicated property for donation to Ochsner. Allocate $30,000 from the Economic Development Fund for an amendment to the SOQ agreement with Circular Consulting, LLC, for consulting services related to the transitioning of the Housing Authority of Jefferson Parish into Jefferson Parish Government and to provide grant proposal writing services to obtain funding for the development of a comprehensive revitalization plan for economic development and revitalization of the Acre Roads housing community. And that's all of the amendments. Any objections to the amendments being brought from the floor? Hearing none, so ordered. Councilman Template, your motion on the amendments? I move. Any objections to the adoption of those amendments? On motion of Councilman Template, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Public hearing is now open for summary number 25771 as amended. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. Thank you, guys. Rise in opposition. In the questions of power, then let no more be heard of confidence in men but bind him down from mischief by the chains of the Constitution. I am for a government rigorously frugal and simple. These are the words of Thomas Jefferson as a Jeffersonian Republican. I'd appreciate the council considering them more greatly. Anyone else in favor or opposition? Madam Clerk, note that one appeared in opposition. Councilman Templin. I move as amended. Any objections to the approval of summary number 25771 as amended on motion of Councilman Templin, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Item number 13, please, with amendments. Summary number 25772, amending the 2021 capital budget and the amendments or the proposed amendment would recognize a transfer of $26,324 from completed Park Day for Me capital projects and $247,076 from unallocated interest in consolidated playground number two, sub number one, to pay the emergency contract for Bayou Tree in the amount of $273,400 in an effort to clear the extensive tree damage on the PDF disc golf course and other areas of the park from Hurricane Ida. The proposed amendment would recognize a transfer of an additional $300 from Council District 2's East Bank Tourism Fund to account number 4465040087454456229.125 for a new sign and landscaping for Dodge Avenue and Jefferson Highway. The proposed amendment would recognize a transfer of $60,000 from Council District 3's West Bank Riverboat Gaming Funds to Parkway's account number 4465040087454456229.126 for the purchase and installation of holiday lights in unincorporated areas of Council District 3. And that's all of the amendments. Any objections to those amendments being brought from the floor? Hearing none, Councilman Templet, your motion on the amendments? I move. Any objections to the adoption of the amendments? A motion of Councilman Templet, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. So now we open the public hearing for summary number 25772. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. 
Freaky Hires rise in opposition to another amendment on a budget. We in America do not have a government by the majority. We have a government by the majority who participate. All tyranny needs is to gain a foothold is for good people, people of good conscience, to remain silent. Anyone else in favor of opposition? Madam Clerk, note that one appeared in opposition. Councilman Templin. I move as amended. Any objections to the approval of summary number 25772 as amended on motion of Councilman Templin, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. That takes us to consent agenda one. And is there any objection to uh, the in globo adoption of uh, items number 14 through 44, canceling item 45, a motion of Councilman Templin, seconded by Councilman Walker? Hearing none, so ordered. So it takes us to item number 46 on consent agenda one, resolutions and motions by council members. None. We have none. And we have none? Well, that makes it easy. Nobody has any. So now is there any objection to the in-global adoption of agenda item numbers 47 through 76, minus 52, which will be deferred, 58, which will be amended. This isn't floor resolution, Jeff. We're going to do floor resolution. That's the addendum agenda today. Addendum agenda. We had a problem with the computer. Yeah, floor resolutions moved to the addendum agenda for this meeting. Is there any objection to the in-globo adoption of agenda items 47 through 76 minus 52, which will be deferred, 58, which will be amended, and the cancellation of item number 70? And we already handled number 63, which was, uh, excuse me, coming up as item number 63, which will be read separately. On motion of Councilman Template, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. So now we go to item number 58. With amendments, please, Madam Clerk. A resolution approving a director declared emergency by the director of Lafreniere Park to pay all expenditures incurred by IC Electric to Earl's Plumbing LED Supply Plus not to exceed $26,117.15 for supplying electrical materials, core drilling, and tunneling conduit so that the 13,800 volt electrical service could be returned to Lafreniere Park due to damages incurred from ground settling and shorting out the main electrical service to Lafreniere Park. This is Council District 4 and the amendments are sections 1 and 2 that a director declared emergency by the director of Lafreniere Park to pay expenditures incurred by IC Electric Earls Plumbing and LEDs supplied not to exceed $26,117.15 from materials and labor to restore the main power for Lafreniere Park is hereby approved. Section 2 that the Department of Finance be and is hereby authorized to pay IC Electric an amount of $18,756.15, Earl's Plumbing an amount of $5,921, and LED Supply an amount of $1,440 for a total expenditure not to exceed $26,117.15. The expenditures for IC Electric and Earl's Plumbing are to be charged to account number 21950 and the expenditures for LED Plus are to be charged to account number 21950 And that's all of the amendments.
Any objections to those amendments being brought from the floor? Hearing none, Councilman Impostato, your motion on the amendments? Motion to approve. Any objections to the adoption of the resolution as amended? A motion of Councilman Impostato, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Mr. Chairman, can I interrupt for just a second? I'd like to request that we pull item 63 and read it. Yep, it's next. Thank you. Item number 63, please, Madam Clerk. A resolution accepting the donation of $27,000 each from Cornerstone Chemical Company, International Matrix, Tank Terminals, and Fuji Oil, New Orleans, LLC, for a total of $81,000 for upgrades to North Avondale Park. Councilman Bonanno. First of all, I want to thank all those companies for this donation. This is an area that was severely impacted on Ida. It's a lot of older wood frame homes. And I was amazed when I rode through there about the amount of damage that structures those homes. So it will certainly give those residents an improved facility which to exercise and play. And with that, I move for approval. Is there any objection to the adoption of that resolution as amended? On motion of Councilman uh, Bonanno, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Item number 75 was handled earlier, so that takes us to item number 77 and the addendum agenda, and maybe this is where we can pause, Madam Clerk, for our executive session item. Um, let's stop right there since it's straight up 12 o'clock and go back to read that uh, executive session item, please, number three. A resolution authorizing the council to go into executive session to discuss legal matters concerning the lawsuit entitled Manuel Franklin versus Taj Jackson, Progressive Security Insurance Company in the Parish of Jefferson, 24th JDC, number 808-061, Division M. An objection to the adoption of that resolution, a motion of Councilman Templet, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. We are now in executive session. Shouldn't be too terribly long. Thank you.
Or is it on? All right, the meeting is now back in session. Is everybody's microphone's on? Yours is back on now? It's not? Okay. We're having some difficulties with uh, getting everything on. Clerks isn't on. Can you? I'm on now. There it is. All right, we left off on item number 77, the addendum agenda. Madam Clerk, can you please read item number one on the addendum agenda? A resolution selecting a person and or firm to provide a commercial driver, driver's license, driver safety management program that will include vehicle weighing and marking of parish vehicles for the Department of Human Resource Management. That's it. That's it. Councilman Template, your motion. Yes, we only had one submittal, uh, Schmidt and Associates. All right, any objection to the selection of Schmidt and Associates? Motion by Councilman Templet, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. That takes us to resolutions and motions from the floor now on the addendum agenda today. Madam Clerk, please call the roll. Councilman Impostato. Have a few. I have one. I'm sorry? I have one for you. Mm. A polling place change? The polling place change. Oh, I'm sorry, the others are amendments. Yeah. Okay. Okay. A resolution changing the polling place location for precincts K004, K007A, K007B, K013A, K018, K028, K029 and K030 in Jefferson Parish, Louisiana. Any objections to that resolution being brought from the floor? Hearing none, we now open a public hearing on that resolution. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. Madam Clerk, note that no one has appeared. Councilman Pistato? Yeah, just before we move on, just a little PSA. Uh, because of damage resulting from Hurricane Ida, polling places across the parish have changed. So I would encourage anyone watching this, uh, verify before the upcoming elections, I believe in November um, and December, uh, check your polling places to make sure it's the same. These are changes for this upcoming November election for certain places in Jefferson Parish District 4, so there may be others. With that, uh, so moved. Any objections to the adoption of the resolution brought forward in motion by Councilman Impostato, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. And Councilman Edwards. I believe I have one. Yes, sir. A resolution canceling bid number 50-0013565 for labor and materials to replace the hoist ropes on elevators numbers 1 and 3 at the District Attorney's Office Building for the Department of General Services. Is there any objection to that resolution being brought from the floor? Hearing none, so we now open the public hearing on that resolution. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. Madam Clerk, note that no one has appeared. Councilman Edwards. Moved to approve. Any objection to the adoption of that resolution brought forward in motion by Councilman Edwards, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Councilwoman Van Rankin. I have none. Councilman Bonanno. Two. Yes, sir. 
a resolution changing the polling place location for precincts 61, 67, 68, 127, 128, 131, 134, 136, 138, H001, H003, and H004 in Jefferson Parish. Any objections to that resolution being brought from the floor? Hearing none, we now open the public hearing on that resolution. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. Madam Clerk, no one has appeared. Councilman Banana. I'll just echo Councilman Impostato's uh, remarks. There's been a lot of damage to a lot of our facilities, and the public needs to pay attention to where their polls are. They may not be in the same place, and with that, I move for approval. Any objections to the adoption of that resolution? Brought forward in motion by Councilman uh, Bonanno, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. A resolution granting permission to host a music festival at the Shrine on Airline on Saturday, October 9, 2021, from 2 p.m. to 9 p.m., um, and provided that all necessary permits have been obtained. Any objections to that resolution be brought from the floor? Hearing none, the public hearing is now open on that resolution. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. Madam Clerk, no one has appeared. Councilman Bonanno. Move for approval. Any objection to the adoption of that resolution brought forward in motion by Councilman Bonanno, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Councilman Lee. I believe I have two. Yes, sir. A resolution approving a CEA between the Parish of Jefferson and Resilience Force to provide community health workers who will supply COVID-19 educational resources to the citizens of Jefferson Parish. Any objection to that resolution being brought from the floor? Hearing none, we now open the public hearing on that resolution. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. Madam Clerk, note that no one has appeared. Councilman Lee? Move. Any objections to the adoption of that resolution? Brought forward in motion by Councilman Lee, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. A resolution changing the polling place locations for precincts K021, K026, and K031 in Jefferson Parish. Any objections to that resolution being brought from the floor? Hearing none, we open the public hearing for that resolution. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. No one has appeared, Madam Clerk. Councilman Lee? I'd just like to say that those precincts are in my district in the city of Kenner. And uh, I just want, just echoing my colleagues, please, um, please um, f know where your voting uh, locations are, but you also will receive something in the, in the mail from the parish. Any objections to the adoption of the resolution brought forward in motion by Councilman Lee, seconded by Councilman Walker? Hearing none, so ordered. Chairman Walker. I have none. Councilman Template. Yes, sir. A resolution approving an intergovernmental agreement with the City of New Orleans to provide services for residents of Jefferson Parish has authorized and funded in accordance with the Ryan White HIV AIDS Treatment Act. Any objections to that resolution being brought from the floor? Hearing none, we now open the public hearing on that resolution. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. Madam Clerk, note that no one has appeared. Councilman Template. Any objections to the adoption of that resolution? Motion by Councilman Template, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. 
a resolution requesting the state of Louisiana, the U.S. Coast Guard, and any other permitting and regulatory agencies with jurisdiction investigate the cause of a barge colliding with the Kerner Swing Bridge on August 29-21 that said agencies conduct a compliance review of the owner or owners and custodian or custodians of the barge and take all appropriate actions for any instances of noncompliance and that the parish attorney pursue any available legal remedies to recover costs incurred by the parish as a result of the incident. Any objection to that resolution being brought from the floor? Hearing none, we open the public hearing now on that resolution. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. And, and before uh, someone speaks, I'd like to comment if it's possible. Am I violating any rules here? I think you can speak first. Okay. And, and, and look, this is long overdue, I think, uh, for this uh, company to be looked at. All of y'all will be very familiar with the fact that uh, during Hurricane Ida, the Kerner Swing Bridge was knocked out of service once again. Uh, and this is the third time that this bridge has been knocked out of service by some type of vessel that has broken loose or, in, or was moored or tied up to the salvage facility located in Lower Lafitte and Barataria that have taken out this bridge out of service. Uh, you know, Councilwoman Van Rankin, you said earlier about being a good neighbor. That, uh, this business has not been a good neighbor to Lafitte, to Barataria, to Crown Point, to Jefferson Parish. Uh, you know, they've had a total disregard in, in my respects to the safety and well-being of the citizens of Jefferson Parish, Crown Point, Lafitte, and, and uh, Barataria and Lower Lafitte. Because every time this bridge is taken out of service, we cannot respond with safety vehicles. Uh, all of y'all know during the storm, uh, when those bridge was taken out, we couldn't respond to a safety aspect to the Barataria, Saddle, Lafitte, uh, other, other than if we went by boat. Uh, we lost six homes to fire where the, uh, our fire departments and, and did a great job, but they went out there in the middle of the night with airboats trying to cross marsh uh, and floatons is what they call them, with floating pumps to try to save the Barataria side uh, from losing it all to fire, and it's because this bridge was knocked out of service. Uh, I don't think we can afford to allow this to continue. Uh, I, I will tell you, uh, two days before the hurricane hit, I, I received a phone call from Mayor Kern at the time asking that the parish please contact the Coast Guard to make sure this business had the proper mooring for its vessels or barges that were tied up there, which we did. Uh, the parish did contact the Coast Guard to go out there to try to make sure that this business was doing their job, okay? Uh, but once again, we're putting out, this business is putting our people, our residents, our Jeffersonians in trouble and unsafe. And this, or, this resolution asks that we take action. Any agency that gives them a permit uh, oversees them, do a true investigation and stand up, and I would ask to revoke their permit to operate in Jefferson Parish because we should be doing business with good neighbors are protecting our, our people. And with that, Mayor Curran, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you getting up to speak. Thank you. Look, I, I think Council Templet, uh, Councilman Templet said it all. He has total disregard for the safety of not only Jean Lafitte but unincorporated Jefferson Parish. Uh, 
He, you know, he knocked over, he hit the bridge numerous times. Uh, just to give you a little, a few more facts, uh, this time the bridge is no longer there. It has to be, a historic bridge has been t completely taken out, where DOTD had to put a temporary bridge in its place and uh, build a new bridge. And uh, we he had 50 911 calls, which averages over two 911 calls a month since 2019 which is, uh, I think, before, since 2000 and 2019, it was something around 30. So in the last two years, he has just show, shown a total disregard and, and ne really gross negligence at this point. And not only Bridge, numerous times his boat's a little rainstorm or a little current. He's destroyed numerous uh, vessels, uh, commercial fishermen vessels that, that, you know, obviously they use that to, to make a living for the families, put food on a table. He's knocked and destroyed numerous uh, uh, several of them, and uh, and wharfs. I mean, he's knocked over wharfs. I mean, this guy has been totally destructive. And uh, I think at this point, this is when the government needs to step in and uh, and stop him from from until you know before somebody gets killed. Every single time this bridge gets knocked out, and we have a new temporary bridge. And let's pray his vessel doesn't get loose again, because every single time there's over 2,000 residents without emergency services. Uh, Elderly people that if they get a heart attack, God forbid, and 911 cannot get to them. So it's a very, very dangerous situation. He has overdone it time and time again, and it's only getting worse. It's not getting better. Each day it's getting worse, and the 911 calls reflect that. And uh, just one last thing. He had, just in the last year and a half, he had three fires at the, at the location, and one hospitalized uh, quite a few of our fire department. So, I mean, it's just one thing after. He's checking every box that's needed for government to, uh, to, inf to act and, and uh, put a stop to it. So I just want to thank you all for, for uh, introducing this resolution and, uh, and complete and total favor of it. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor Kerner. Yeah. Good afternoon. I just want to say a couple words real quick. We've been working closely with the United States Coast Guard. Uh, commander Joe Hart, who is the commander of the Prevention Division, has been assigned this case specifically uh, with the intention to come up with an, uh, a conclusion that, that will include enforcement. So something is going to be done. Um, there is a pending investigation from Zeta from last year that still hasn't been completed, but they understand the sense of urgency on this. I'm working closely with Commander Brooks Serbu, who is in fact over his section. And so between those two, I'm hoping that emergency management can can get some, um, get some satisfaction out of this, because I do agree that this is ridiculous and it's obvious to me. Uh, we did ask the Coast Guard after Zeta to conduct numerous uh, inspections, which they did. They inspected the site two days before the storm, and then they did a phone call the day before on Saturday, the 28th of August, and it just seems that this, 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 this passive, these passive inquiries uh, Tom's Marine, uh, they are just not taking it serious. So we're hoping. It has come to our attention that the, you know, uh, that the uh, Army Corps of Engineers is involved in this perm permitting process also. So we're also working with the Corps to see what they are able to do to try to get these permits revoked uh, from this company from conducting business until they fix all these problems. So emergency management is aware of it, and we are moving on. 
I would have to say that they have to have an occupational license from Jefferson Parish or from the Sheriff's Department, and that's one of the permits we need to look at to see if it's possible to revoke that as well to help protect the citizens of Jefferson Parish. You know, and, and, and what the mayor alluded to, too, this is just not marine issues. That, you know, they're, they're actually cutting up vessels and causing fires without doing the proper protection and doing so and putting our first responders in harm's way every time they have to roll on a fire inside the type of some, some type of vessel. We also had a problem just as last week when the Lowell Lafitte and Lafitte and Barataria are trying to recover and everyone has to go down to the floating pontoon bridge. Uh, this company had a total disregard and moved some heavy equipment out of its yard which fell in both ditches on both sides of the roadway, broke our fire hydrant, and blocked traffic from being getting to the rear Lafitte and Barataria side for an hour and a half, and no one could move until this, some heavy equipment came in to get this pipe truck out of the way. And it was, it was ridiculous. So he actually put people in harm's way once again just a week ago. So this investigation is going to be conducted, or at least the... Uh but Commander Hart, um, I think it's important to understand that we're looking at several aspects. One of them is pollution in terms of with these fires and what the runoff is when these waters poured on these fires in terms of the waterways and also the Corps of Engineers looking at any potential damage they may be creating to the levee. So we're trying to look at every single facet of this, Councilmember Tambler, so we can, we can box them in a corner and put a stop to it. Okay. Thank you. Council. Go ahead. And look, this is on. This is the last, you know, really. We've, we've tried everything before we reach out to the, the council to, to maybe even consider pulling his occupational license. I reached out to DEQ, and they would cite him plenty of times. I reached out to EPA, they would cite him. Uh, Oceana, they would cite him. And I've also really pushed the Ghost Corps to take a serious look, and they keep reassuring me. You know, it's been years now. They reassure me that the investigation is ongoing and, uh, and that they're going to put a stop to it. However, when we, when we looked at the, what permits he had and didn't have, we found out that the corps didn't even issue him a permit for how far he's out in the water. So we were starting to do the coast jobs for, uh, job form, which was very, very disheartening. So I appreciate uh, what the emergency management director said, and I think we got to not only do this, but we also got to, make calls to the Coast Guard to say, please, please do your job before somebody gets killed. And, uh, but I want, I want to let you guys know that we exhausted every single avenue before uh, the, the permit uh, process and taking it away was, was brought up. So I just want to thank you all. Thank you. And you, told, and you told us you didn't want to speak today. <laughs> yes, Councilman Edwards. I just want to underscore everything that Councilman Templin said and add to that 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 we thank uh, Mayor Kerner uh, for just handling one impossible situation on top of another impossible situation. I know that the people, and particularly on the Bear Terrier side, have just uh, uh, lived in misery from the storm damage uh, with this, this bridge mishap heaped on top of it. Thank you so much for the job that you've been doing down there. Thank you, Mayor Kerner. Councilman Posada. My question, and maybe Councilman Edwards and or Template, Councilman Template would know, are, do we have parish-related expenses and costs that are, we are having to bear as a result of these two damage incidents? And if so, 
are we pursuing claims against um, this bad actor to ensure that those are recouped? That's what's in this resolution that we go after those types of uh, you know resources that they have because what's happening they're, 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 it definitely has a a tax a sales tax issue that that slows sales tax on Lafitte area that because those people are in more distress and it you know it doesn't create the sales tax that they should be generating and well, I get that but I'm also talking about I mean. We're bringing we're bringing dump trucks over there. We're bringing garbage collection trucks over. There. I assume there's got to be additional cost to the parish. I'm talking hard dollar costs, and, and I say that because the last incident was Zeta, which, if I were a lawyer, I would know that the prescriptive period for that is in about two weeks. So if we have additional expenses that these guys have, I mean. That, that we have incurred as a parish for either temp and I don't know who's funding the temporary repairs. Maybe that's DOTD, but I would imagine we as a parish have some, uh, are incurring some additional expenses via fire services, et cetera. Uh, that's certainly one way to get their attention is hold them financially accountable for the damages that we're incurring as a parish. So I, I would recommend we take, and, and it, it, in all likelihood, it's going to be before the results of any such investigation. If we've got a claim against them for Zeta in particular, this started in Zeta, you know, so it's my two cents on that. I think you're right, and I'm not sure we have we have done a really good job in uh, in 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 keeping track of the expenses that we've incurred because really. Uh, so many people have just jumped in, parish people, parish employees, and, and citizens just jumped in to try to help. You know, the, the, just the transportation of food over there on a daily basis and, and a lot of other things. I'm not sure that we've done a really good job in keeping track of all that. I just might, it might be something to look at, especially on the fire services side. To what extent have we paid overtime? To what extent um, has the ferry into the cars, I mean, this... This uh, military bridge, is that, are those costs being passed down to us? I mean, that, that's something we I have to... no idea. Mayor Kerner would probably have a better idea about that than we would. Yeah, so the bridge issue and the temporary bridge is all DOTD, and they actually have filed suit. Uh, the state has filed suit against them for their uh, damages and for their expenses. But, look, I mean, I think it's certainly something to look at. Obviously, he is a bad actor, and he has cost the town of Jean Lafitte and the parish money. So, uh Let's start compiling that, that, those expenses and see what we can do. Thank you for bringing that up. Mr. Chairman, if I could also add, yes, he, this operator exacerbated a humanitarian, you know, issue that we had. Um, you, you know, um, the mayor's office, we were sending donated goods down to the, the Lafitte Seafood Market, and the people on the Barrettari side were not able to partake in any of those donation events during the most critical days of the storm. I know Councilman Edwards is still sending out specifically to the people of Barataria, cleaning goods and food. So it really is a very, very wide issue that um, he caused, in addition to financial or um, a first responder issue. But it, was, it, it, it affected a lot of things. Anyone else? All right, thank you all. Thank you, Mayor Kerner. On that note, any objection to, or is anybody else who would like to speak in favor or opposition? Note that two, I believe, spoke in favor, uh, Mr. Valiente and Mayor Kerner. So is there any objection to the adoption of that resolution brought forward in motion by Councilman Templet, seconded by Councilman Walker? Hearing none, so ordered. 
a resolution granting permission to the Louisiana Secretary of State and the Jefferson Parish Registrar of Voters to place signs at various locations within unincorporated areas of Jefferson Parish to inform citizens of the relocation of polling places due to damage caused by Hurricane Ida. Any objection to that resolution being brought from the floor? Hearing none, so we now open the public hearing on that resolution. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. Note that no one has appeared, Madam Clerk. Councilman Template. Any objections to the adoption of that resolution? A motion of Councilman Template, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. That's all the resolutions? Yes, sir. All right. Uh, we got back into the meeting so quickly, we jumped ahead and didn't approve our executive session item. So I have to roll back and do that. Ms. Eula said it was her fault, but I didn't catch it either, so it's my fault. <laughs> so we'll go back to the executive session item. Please read that, please. A Double, please. A resolution authorizing a settlement in a workers' compensation claim for Manuel Franklin, claim number 19G57J078538. Is there any objection to that resolution um, being adopted on motion of Councilman Template, seconded by Councilman Walker? Hearing none, so ordered. So that catches us up there, and that brings us to item number seven, back on the addendum agenda, Madam Clerk. With amendments, I believe. A resolution granting permission to Kenner North Kiwanis Foundation Incorporated, represented by Richard Gonzalez, to have food trucks in Lafreniere Park for their upcoming trunk or treat to be held on Friday, October 29-21 from 5 p.m. until 9 p.m. at Lafreniere Park. And the amendment is and to allow a DJ amplified outdoor music provided that the parish noise ordinance is observed in all cases on Friday, October 29, 2021 until 9 p.m. And um, this same Amendment is also uh, listed in section one of the resolution and provided that all permits are obtained. Councilman Pistato, your motion on the amendments? Motion to approve. Any objection to the adoption of that resolution as amended? A motion of Councilman Impostato, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. That takes us to uh, number 22 in special districts, please, Madam Clerk. These will be handled individually. Um, we have two special district items on the, ad on the addendum agenda. Oh, What's I'm that? sorry. I'm, <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm jumping ahead. Um, a resolution approving an agreement with the Jefferson Parish Economic Development and Port District Jed Code to provide funding for economic development and related services in an amount not to exceed $20,500. Councilwoman Van Breiken. Move for approval. Any objections to the adoption of that resolution? A motion of Councilwoman Van Breiken, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Item 23, please. A resolution authorizing the acceptance of the donation of a 2003 Ford ambulance and associated equipment and accessories from Glasscock County to Ambulance Service District Number 2 of the Parish of Jefferson, State of Louisiana, Council District 1. Councilman Edwards? Move to approve. 
Any objections to the adoption of that resolution on motion of Councilman Edwards, seconded by Councilman Walker? Hearing none, so ordered. Item number 78, please, Madam Clerk. Oops. Um. I'm sorry, we just wanted to get uh, clarification. Items 14 and 15 on the addendum agenda, they, you did say that we were canceling them. I believe I did. Yes, sir, I have them listed. I didn't, should I say it again? I believe I said that when we got to it at the beginning. Um, I'll just read it again then. So we'll backtrack. Okay. Yes, sir, let's... Go over that vote again. Okay, on the addendum agenda, is there any objection to the adoption of items 3 through 21 minus item number 7, which is to be amended, and item 14 and 15, which are canceled? A motion of Councilman Template, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Canceled. We're back on track now? Yes, sir. So now we're on item number 78 under special districts, correct? Yes, sir. A resolution authorizing the sole source procurement of record management system from Turnout Top Co. LLC doing business as Backdraft Op Co. LLC, proposal number 51355871 for the East Bank Consolidated Jefferson Parish Fire Department at a cost not to exceed $40,885. Councilman Bonanno? Move for approval. Any objection to the adoption of that resolution? A motion of Councilman Bonanno, seconded by Councilman Lee. Hearing none, so ordered. Item number 79, please. A resolution declaring the intention of Consolidated Sewage District Number 1 of the Parish of Jefferson, State of Louisiana, to issue not to exceed $105 million in sewer revenue bonds in one or more series for the purpose of paying a portion of the cost of constructing and acquiring additions, extensions, and improvements to the wastewater collection treatment and disposal system of the district, providing for the security, therefore, requesting approval, therefore, of state bond Commission. Councilman Template, your motion. Any objections to the adoption of that resolution? A motion of Councilman Template, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Item number 80, please. A resolution declaring the intention of the Consolidated Waterworks District Number 2, the Parish of Jefferson, Louisiana, to issue not to exceed $210 million of water revenue and refunding bonds in one or more series for the purpose of paying a portion of the cost of constructing and acquiring additions, extensions, and improvements to the drinking water system of the district, refunding certain debt and paying cost of an issuance providing for the security, therefore, requesting approval, therefore, of State Bond Commission. Councilman Template? Any objections to the adoption of that resolution? A motion of Councilman Template, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Number 81, anyone who would like to appear before the council now on special subject matters can do so. You need to fill out a request to speak card at the back of chambers, and please state your name and address for the record. These are for items not on the agenda. You have three minutes to speak. Thank you. Now's your chance. My name is Elizabeth Glass. I'm, I live at 509 Homo Boulevard, Metairie, Louisiana. Um, I came in today with a lot of things on my mind to say about 
what's happened over the uh, hurricane. Um, I, uh, I grew up in Southeast Asia. I had a lot of um, typhoons. In fact, I was did live there during the busiest typhoon season in 1972. I don't remember any problems, but then again, I was a kid. So then I went through Andrew in um, 1992, and I stayed for that hurricane in Miami. And um, I had a policeman. I had um, National Guards. I had councilmen. I don't even know who they were, government officials, knocking on my door because I lived on the Venetian Causeway in Miami Beach, making sure I was okay before the hurricane came and after the hurricane left. And this is a very large city of Miami. Here, I live in Jefferson Parish now. I went through, I've gone through quite a few here, and I went through Ida this past time. And I did live in a tent for nine days. I waved at people as they drove by in parish trucks, in police cars, in sheriff cars. They probably got to know my face because I'm sitting on my lawn, 60 years old, hot, thirsty, hungry, no gas, no air conditioning, no telephone, no way to get help. I finally had one council member here hear my cry came, delivered two tarps. I could not get tarps. I had no gas to get tarps. I could not get food. I had no gas. I had gas. I had one day of gas. After that, I didn't even have enough gas to go find gas, which was quite ironic. Yet, I saw parish trucks up and down my street with open trunks that could have had gallons, five gallons of gas in them, or even coming by my door and saying, excuse me, ma'am, are you okay? Are you thirsty? That would have been nice. So I'm- You have 30 seconds. Thank you. I was very thirsty, and I needed to brush my teeth, and I ended up in the ER with an infection because I don't have a telephone, because I didn't have electricity, because I couldn't hear the boil water alerts for the two weeks or the nine days I was there. I couldn't get money to evacuate. I couldn't do anything. I think something could be better done. Miami Beach is much larger, and I had many people knocking on my door in 92. Thank you, ma'am. Tom Freaky Hires, 509 Homer Boulevard. Stop sign is just a symbol, right? When I came here to begin with, it was about uh, ensuring domestic tranquility. It's just, it's fundamental. We've all sworn out to defend this. The blessings of liberty, that's domestic tranquility. To ensure that domestic tranquility. Hurricane aftermath immediate response plan. Hair. I got a lot of it. Had some time to think about this. Me and my neighbors just sat around thinking about what government could have done. Number one, health and safety of the public being paramount. If a risk to the aforementioned exists parish-wide, such as a boil water advisory or airborne contaminant, never give public notice that, that these hazards exist anywhere specifically. So when the parish, through its public notice, on Facebook, declares that the West Bank is under boil water advisory, people on the 
East Bank were misled to believe that they might not be. That's how we ended up in the ER. I've never been to, I haven't been to an emergency room since I was a kid. It's ridiculous. Within the parishes, these can mislead the public with regards to their safety. Number two, given that access to power and subsequently all means of modern com communication would be limited at, at best, parish council shall assemble all staff available under their direction to, while coordinating comprehensively with sheriff administration, I'd like to see y'all systematically canvas unincorporated Jefferson Parish street by street from parish line to parish line. Think of an ice cream truck when we were kids. Old school public notice to give notice regarding emergency conditions and assets availability, curfew, boil water advisory, hospital availability. B, to address immediate needs, fuel, ice, and tarps. Everybody stays. We got 30 to 40% of the population staying. Everybody's got a generator. Everybody stocks up on water and food for a few days. But what's immediately needed? Fuel, ice, and tarps. Number two, water, food, or orderly distribution of fuel so that we might ensure domestic tranquility and somebody doesn't get shot, somebody doesn't go to jail for the rest of their lives unnecessarily, right? The parish can orderly distribute fuel. You can do it. Through your parish council member employees, you got 50 to 60 some odd staff members. If you, if you stock, stacked up right at the parish line with half of those members, coordinate that with sheriff, this could have been done. You could have done this street by street. Jefferson Parish Airline Vets, you, you tandem back and forth up those planes and it's done. Gather infra infrastructural info needs with regards to the constituents. Do more responding and less reporting. We have a parish president and municipal mayors to do that for y'all. Develop a plan yourselves and constituents to ensure domestic tranquility. Temporary stop signs, right? Stop signs just a symbol. But it was wild, wild west. We can do better. The order, orderly distribution of basic needs is something you can attend to. We Thank all you, have to suffer unnecessarily like rats after cheese. Thank you. Parish. Would anybody else like to address the council on items not on the agenda or the addendum agenda? All right. Thank you very much. I'm sorry, Madam President. You have yourself muted, I believe. I would like to address that. And, and you know, both of the past speakers um, spoke about the gas issue. Um, it wasn't about a distribution issue with the gas. It was about that the eight refineries got hit by the storm as well and were out of electricity. So um, that, that we do have a, a widespread way of distributing gas through our gas stations, but the gas got hit at the source. Um, I will tell you the council offices worked directly with us throughout the storm as well as all of our departments. Nobody was sitting around. Um, we had many systems we were addressing. We had shelter operations. So, um, you know, could we go door by door? Um, probably not, but we did get shelter operations, and many of our council offices did wellness checks on the people that um, we thought that were the most vulnerable. So um, it's hard for me to hear that you think the council offices are sitting around or that our administrative departments are sitting around. Um, everybody was working probably the hardest they've ever worked in their life. But... And specifically for the, sh for the fuel issue, I don't know that Jefferson Parish has the equipment to distribute fuel, but it was um, at, at some time during the storm, we were only filling up first responders' um, tanks halfway. Um, to, I had to take a call from uh, Natalie Jayro at Second Harvest, who was ready to give food distribution, and I had to tell her she couldn't have any of our gas. Um, so this is the situations that we were um, dealing with at the time. Thank you. Thank you, Madam President. Again, uh, last opportunity, anyone else would like to appear before the council? 
All right, Madam Clerk, please read the ordinances for introduction to summary. Amending the official zoning map for lots J, K, L, M, Y, and Z, Square 1, Lakeshore Subdivision, located at 1716 through 1720 Mayan Lane, more particularly amending the zoning classification from OBM1 to OBM2. Amend Chapter 33 and Chapter 40 of the Code to amend descriptions and or definitions of clinic, LBCS Function Code 6511 and Medical or Diagnostic Laboratory LBCS Function Code 6513 and add clinic as a permitted use in the old Bucktown Mixed-Use Commercial District OBM2. An ordinance submitted under docket number SP2321 approving requested variances to the area and sign regulations of the C2 for floor and decor located at 3724 Veterans Boulevard on lots 128A and 123 Cleary Subdivision. An ordinance declaring lot 1A2 square 49 Terrytown Subdivision section 6 bearing municipal address 721 Terry Parkway Terrytown and lots 1 through 6 57A and 57A square 135 Terrytown Subdivision number 8 no longer needed for public purposes and authorizing the exchange of said properties with 4th Street Investments LLC for the acquisition by Jefferson Parish of a portion of Square 8, New McCannaham, bearing municipal address 1011, 1017, 1019, and 1021, Fourth Street, Gretna. An ordinance to amend the Code of Ordinances, Jefferson Parish, Louisiana, Chapter 2, Administration, Article 7, Finances, Contracts, Purchases and Sales, Division 3, Restrictions on Contracts and Other Agreements, Section 2-925.1. Amending Ordinance Number 26281, adopted on September 15, 2021, to clarify the dates that rate increases occur to ratify the rates currently in effect with Subdistrict Number 1 of Consolidated District Number 2 of the Parish of Jefferson, Louisiana, and to exclude said subdistrict from the rate increases to provide that revenues generated in excess of operating expenses and debt service obligations shall be dedicated to capital expenditures. An ordinance amending ordinance number 26282 adopted on September 15, 21 to correct the metered water consumption included in base charges to clarify the dates that rate increases occur to provide that revenues generated in excess of operating expenses and debt service obligations shall be dedicated to capital expenditures. A sixth supplemental bond ordinance authorizing the issuance of not to exceed $105 million of sewer revenue bond series 2022 consolidated sewage district number one of the parish of Jefferson, state of Louisiana, in accordance with the terms of a general bond ordinance prescribing the form and certain terms and conditions of said bonds, providing for the sale of said bonds. A first supplemental bond ordinance authorizing the issuance of not to exceed $210 million of water revenue and refunding bond series 2022 of Consolidated Waterworks District Number 2 of the Parish of Jefferson, Louisiana, in accordance, a general bond ordinance prescribing the form and certain terms and conditions of said bonds, providing for the sale of said bonds, a general bond ordinance authorizing the issuance from time to time of water revenue bonds of Consolidated Waterworks District Number 2 of the Parish of Jefferson, Louisiana, prescribing the form and certain terms 
terms and conditions of said bonds, establishing funds and accounts relating to said bonds, providing for the payment thereof in principal and interest, including a rate covenant relating thereto. Amending the 2021 Operating Budget of Jefferson Parish, amending the 2021 Capital Budget of Jefferson Parish. And that's all of the items I have to read in the summary. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Any objection to the motion to adopt the ordinances read into summary? A motion of Councilman Templet, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Any objection to a motion to adjourn by all council members present? Hearing none, so ordered. This meeting is adjourned. We'll see you back here for our, actually on the East Bank, for our special meeting October 21st. You're up there.